evening, everyone, and welcome to Garage Hammer, episode 46. On tonight's episode, the boys and the guest host, Chris Yu, have a rare hobby episode where they discuss their different styles of painting. So, without any further ado, here are your hosts, David Whitetack and Christopher Barnett! Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 46 of Garage Hammer. 46. 46. A number that doesn't mean anything to anyone unless that's your age. Dave. Next episode, it'll be the most common episode because 47 is the most common number. According to who? Remember Grant was telling us that whole story about how every... when you. I remember we had this discussion and we decided it wasn't actually 47. <laughs> no, I think it was 47. Why is 47 the most common number? 23. Grant says if you pick a random number, like if you tell someone to pick a random number, yeah. like 47 is the most common two-digit random number. What if he was wrong? I don't know. If he's wrong, then it, then it was 46, and so we are the most random element at the moment. I think this is a fairly random start. There we go. Speaking of random, we have someone on the show has nothing to do with random. Welcome to the show, Chris Yu. Hey, guys. How are hey, you doing? Good. It's the U-Tag. What do you think of the number 47, Chris? I like it. It's a good number. Yeah, seems all right. But unfortunately, that's not even our episode. No, we're one short. <laughs> and, a do- and without a dollar as well. Damn. 47 strikes again. <laughs> Curse you. <laughs> ah, 46 episodes. And going strong. Getting close to 50. Getting close to two years. Good Lord. Who'd have thunk it? Not this guy. Well, actually, I did think it. So what do you do? Oh, did you? Maybe. I didn't really think... I haven't been thinking in a long time. Oh, by the way, this is our last episode. Sorry, guys. We're, yeah, right. Yeah. Oh, it was, see, it's, it's April 1st. We're recording on April 1st. April Fool's, uh-huh. everyone. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like anyone bought that joke. Like, I would, like I would just willingly, voluntarily shut up and <laughs> turn yeah. off the mics. Yeah. <laughs> Power down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, the sad fact is, if you took all this equipment away, I'd still be here. Probably talking into the microphone. I should pretending. hope you'd be here. This is your house. <laughs> so, oh. <laughs> I'm just leaving. <laughs> There's no more show. <laughs> I'll have to walk the earth like Kane and Kung Fu. You need a really loud, like, big bullhorn. My, I do We're not need the show. a microphone. My voice is very powerful. <laughs> Little Tenacious D. Thanks very much. Master Good Exploder by Tenacious uh, yes, D. Yes. <laughs> thank you. I'm glad. We're taking requests. All right, so why don't you, I'm going to request that we move along and thank our sponsors. Very good. Like, for example, Unique Gifts and Games in Grays Lake, Illinois. Unseen Lurker, the independent tabletop wargaming magazine. Game Preserve Stores located throughout Indiana. Urza's Den, custom painting and sculpting. Battle Foam, protecting your army. And Weird World's Terrain. What's your world? That's the worst one yet. <laughs> that is very weird. <laughs> See? You can find links and information for our sponsors both in the show notes and also on our... our I'm halfway down now. Help me. <laughs> on our website, garagehammer.net. You married a Bigfoot, didn't you? <laughs> Your wife's a Bigfoot, Gus. Oh, man. Now that's a fire. <laughs> <laughs> now that's a fire. <laughs> I'm with you guys. Uh, good, good, good. Uh, we uh, we do have a shout-out sponsor this yeah. episode. Excellent. Uh, once again, Joel Busta is going to, uh, uh, he, you know, he asked us to talk about his... Uh, 
the cup, tournament, the pack, yeah, for uh, in in uh, North Carolina, yeah, yes, uh, Brawler Bash, right? Why was I blanking on that? But he actually had a regular shout out too. So we're he, gonna to, to Brian Steele. Yes, would you like to? Would sure. you like Should to do the honors? That's the sound of me reaching off the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the, that's quite an interesting noise you made there. I can make a different one if you want. I'd prefer you didn't. Stop that. <laughs> Puts his nose on the microphone. Could be something worse, pal. <laughs> All right. making noises, you got to see a doctor. <laughs> This shout-out is for Urza's Den, Painting and Smalting. Now, this is going to be from Joe Painting Buster. and Smalting? Painting and, uh, and, <laughs> and, and, and Spackling. <laughs> Brian Steele will Brian take Steele's care a great of painter. He can your entire living room, two coats, one afternoon. I'll paint any car, any color. $99.95. And the derail train has come to the station to a screeching halt. I blame Chris you. Whenever he comes on, we get distracted. Yeah, sure. Blame Thank, the guest. Thanks, Chris. <laughs> thanks it's for my ru- fault. You've ruined the show. <laughs> it's ruined. Stay on topic. Forget <laughs> it. Let's go. Urza's Den, Painting and Modeling. I've been collecting Skaven since the release of their latest book, but my full-time job, full-time wife, and part-time school have been taking up a lot of my time. After playing a rather one-dimensional, all-nurgle demon army for the last three years, have been anxious to bring the flexibility of the rats to some tournaments. The issue has been getting the horde of models painted. When trying to find a painting service to tackle the project, I remembered hearing about Urza's Den from your interview with Brian on the show, as well as the numerous commercials. I got quotes from several places, and Brian's was by far the best. He was able to take my order of 80 slaves, 80 clan rats, 20 storm vermin, and 8 rat ogres and gave me an extremely reasonable timeline. When I realized I would need more models to attend the 3,000-point Brawler Bash 5, he took on the task of an additional 15 storm vermin and 30 plague monks without even shifting the end date. After getting the models back, I can't stress enough how pleased I am with the quality for the price. Brian was able to work within my budget and timeline to produce some fantastic models and save me countless mind-numbing hours of tedious rodent painting. By taking care of the masses, Brian freed up my limited hobby time to paint the fun characters and larger models. If you've got a project that seems like it will never get done, get in touch with Urza's Den. We've all heard the commercials, and I wanted to let everyone know he's definitely worth it. Joel, thank you very much, and Brian, thank you for being such a good well worker guy guy who does good work and stuff yeah guy, guy who does that stuff that's good and stuff i'm going to talk about painting and say like, i'm glad i didn't have to do all that tedious mind numbing painting <laughs> we might have to get back on that subject at some point when it comes time for me to talk about painting <laughs> oh god here we go oh boy so yeah no that was a great shout out um and I, I urge more people to use urza's den absolutely brian does do amazing work like i said I was saying it the last episode. He was over here last time when we were talking about Dark Age, and uh, he spent the night. And hey, this kind of broke. I'm gonna think he could show me how to fix this. And like 15 minutes later, I come back in the room and it's done. He's like, "Oh, yeah, I just fixed. It. I just, you know, I looked at this one. I just completely fixed the sculpt. I had broken off part of the armor on one of the horses on my Blood Knights, and he just picked up the other one, looked at it, and said, "Oh yeah." Psh. And you sculpted, sculpted something there? Grabbed some the green spot. stuff and just sculpted in the, the correct and fixed armor like like that. I mean, I was like, oh, well, that thank you. He does it for a living, so. Yeah. And it would have what would have taken me quite some time was like, just, yeah, I can do this in like 10 minutes and then get back to back to building his Necron 
giant boat thing. That's why he's a pro. Yeah, and then, yeah. Yeah. All right, uh, quick commercial break, and then we'll be back with the news and the rumors. Awesome. Can't wait. Is your name a killing word? Is your mother a hamster and your father smells of elderberries? Did it turn out that those were the droids you were looking for? If you know what I'm talking about, chances are you're a gamer. What better place to get your game on than the Game Preserve? The Game Preserve specializes in analog games of all types, like board games, family games, chess sets and jigsaw puzzles, and especially hobby games. They carry the complete GW line as well as Magic the Gathering, D&D, and Heroclix. They have gaming space for tournaments, game nights, and demo games just about any night of the week. So stop shopping at the Jerk Store and be one of the gaming elite. And visit the Game Preserve with four Indiana locations to choose from. Two in Indianapolis, one in Bloomington, and one in the gaming capital of the universe, Lafayette, Indiana. Visit them at GamePreserveStores.com or call 765-448-4200. Game Preserve. If you're not shopping here, the only winning move is not to play. We're back. Backity back. We're back. <laughs> there we go. All right. Skip Stevenson. Skip, Skip Stevenson. Stevenson. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Episode 46. Mark your calendar. Dave Freitag forgot to say that he was Skip Stevenson on the air. Victory. Oh, did I get a preemptive Skip Stevenson? Boom, boom, boom. You're a d- I'm a d- You're yeah, the one because, who forgot. Because I didn't even get to say it because you were so 46. And you know what? First of all, I usually sing the, the number song. I said 46 and you took the song and that threw me off. And now I missed it. I'm Skip. Skip Stevenson. It's too late. It's outrageous no, that I would no. miss that. You can't. <laughs> you that. can't turn back. T- you cannot turn back time, Dave. Don't make me restart this show. <laughs> oh no! Are you recording? <laughs> oh, I forgot to hit the record sure, button. Sure, Lieutenant. Sure, <laughs> you did. God damn it! I'm Skip Stevenson. Uh-huh. Shut it. Real Warhammer. You know the problem. What? what which problem? Now. How many problems? People are going to realize I'm not Skip Stevenson. That is a problem, Dave. <laughs> as long as they don't realize that you are the master engineer, I think we'll be fine. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking or the, about. Come or, on. or the announcer of the show. I don't know what you're talking as about. As it turns out, actually, Dave is also me. This is actually Dave right now. Dave is everything <laughs> on the show. He's also Chris Yu and occasionally the Phoenix Prince. <laughs> Now that's just that balls a talented lying. man. Yeah, and by I, the way, the closest I, way to a man's heart is Dave Wojtek's fist. <laughs> well, let's just open our hearts to the truth, all right? I think we all know that you and the master engineer are the same person. There, come on, that is definitely not uh, not the truth at all. That is, I don't know <laughs> what on, you're David, talking about. Live in the now, come on. I do live in the now. I don't know where you're living, where you think that I just have all these amazing other voices and accents. I realize I teach drama, but just. Like I just slip into dwarvish at the drop of a hat. That's that's insanity. Okay, it might be insanity. I'd go that far. <laughs> there might be insanity involved. <laughs> insanity might be involved in the scene. So it hurts me that nobody believes me. <laughs> hey, I'm listening to my show. <laughs> Close it. Like that. Isn't that how it goes? <laughs> yeah. Isn't that how it goes? That was pretty. I, I was, don't know. I, this, he's, what does he say? He says, uh, um. Hey, shut your festering gob. Oh, yeah, here. Um, I'll try it here. He says, I'm like, hey, you all quiet. I'm listening to the program. So, does it, uh, see, I, I, I can't do I it. I hear a little of it in there. Stop with your chit-chat. <laughs> hey, Snorri, I'm enjoying my program. <laughs> see, I, I don't know what you're talking about. And, uh, his, uh, and his little friend, Snooky. Oh, don't oh, even start. Uh-huh. 
news and rumors. So I understand there might be some sort of like I don't know army or something. Well, let's start out. with Forge World since they have a much shorter list. All of right, releases. fair enough, fair enough. Uh, Monsters Arcana, or Monsters Arcanum. Yeah, we do uh, have a we have a price. We've got a cover. Um, we even have a, a release of, date. Yeah, what is the date on it? It's I believe the tenth of April. 10th although of April. they're gonna, if you're in England, by the time you get the show, I guess it was today. Today, the, as we record this, yeah, Curry's getting a, it. There's a not a games day, but an open house for Forge World in Nottingham. Yeah, and they had a limited number you could purchase. Curry told me he right. was going to pick one up. Did you see uh, Ben Curry's tweets, by the way, from that? Yeah. I don't know if, if you had a chance My to. My computer's down. He did so a no. slew of pictures. Yeah, a lot of cool stuff. No. They had the, um, I think they're the Kadai. Is that the Monstrous Infantry? What? Yeah, they had a whole bunch of those. Those look pretty cool. Are you talking about the Monstrous Infantry or yes. the, so the, the Kadai Fireborn? Yes. Oh, I'm excited. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, I want the good, good stuff. Good stuff. Good, yeah, <laughs> good stuff, good stuff. No, unfortunately, I don't get Twitter anymore unless I'm at work. Oh, my God. Mm. Curry's at 9,500 tweets. Jesus, Louise. Not at 47? No. <laughs> way past 47 <laughs> tweets. Uh, I'll look during the commercial break. I've got his list of the pictures he put up right here, Christopher. I'll find it for you. Oh, no worries, no worries. Like I said, when I get to work tomorrow, I can have a look. But they is actually, I won't. I'll be cool training stuff. all day. So no, you, should take, you should take. It's worth looking at. It's okay, I will. I'm, I'm excited to see it. Yeah. Well, I've got a new graphics card coming, so hopefully my computer oh. will be back up and running soon. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I did isolate it. Yeah, that's not exactly news and rumors, but but if you're gra- if you, it's your graphics card that blew out, that's way better than your it's computer. It's the graphics dying. card. It's not the motherboard. Thank the heavens. Yeah, or at least thank the lore of Shadow. But, so, Monsters Arcanum, thirty-two pound, which is about fifty bucks. Mm-hmm. That's um, right. I was actually. Some people said, "Oh, we should see if we could. You should see if you could get it at Adepticon because you know taking pre-order." I suspect it'll be there. Well, Here's, wait a minute. Come to think of it, it'll be out. It'll be for sale. So there's no reason it shouldn't be. Yeah, I think I'm just gonna. Uh, I'm gonna place my order tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to order it and have them ship it to me. I don't care if I got to pay extra for shipping. That or I may just uh, ask Greg Dan to pick it up for me. But he's not coming out till August. I'm very hopeful. I'm going to I'm going to wait and see basis. But I'd like to look through it. And if it's something I can use, I'll I pick will it up. not let you look at it. I'm not asking. Oh, okay. I'm going to Adepticon. I don't no, need to see yours. Here's the thing. I, I was going to just pick it up at Adepticon. Uh, I'm not standing in that line. I'm not standing in that line. I can't do it. I've got two. I'm going to two. Painting seminars on Friday. Well, how long is the average wait if you stand in line? Probably a couple of two hours. Two to three hours. Two to three hours. Wow. Well, I I'll mean, if you were going to stand in line, I'd give you the money and just say pick it up for me. We, we could we could rotate. I mean, I'm going to be there. Yeah. The only time I'm playing is Saturday. Okay. So we can maybe rotate. I might be playing on Saturday. It depends. I, I got a message that two spots opened up for the Super Bowl. Uh-huh. But the problem is I couldn't sign up at work. And I don't have a way to sign up at home. So oh, and they closed the it's probably the shopping late. cart yeah, now. I'm, at this point, I'm no whatever. It's I was in contact with a guy named Mike who's actually in charge of it. Oh, okay. So okay, but I think I might have missed the boat just because of technology. Yeesh. I mean, well, let's figure that out later then. Because if I, I mean, if we could just pick it up at Adepticon, I just I, I know me, I will not stand in line for three hours. I just I, I'll go insane. Plus, like I said, I'm already booked for two classes on Friday. That's four hours of my day. Hmm. Plus the championship all day Saturday and the team tournament Sunday. I'd like to actually hang out with people at some point. And if I got to stand in that line for three hours, there that's not going to happen. Uh, I won't do it. See, I've I've got no issue. I'll just so, do it. I don't care. I'll give you the money then, and that way we'll just I'll just buy it there, and then you can look through it while I'm playing. You'll be like, I read your whole book. It sucks. Mm. There you go. But no, I'm actually really looking forward to it because they did have the the little sample pages up on the. Mm. 
Forge oh, it, World it site. It's just as good as Tamarcon. It's just as sharp, so it's it's going to be beautiful. Yeah, it looks as good. So question is, is the intent uh, to use those monsters like as uh, for casual and one-off games? That's the question. Um, obviously, there's there are scenarios in there that allow you to play in Storm of Magic. The question for, in my particular case, since I'm a little less enthusiastic about Storm of Magic, can I use it for a stand-up game of Warhammer? Are certain monsters allocated to certain races? I think from what I was told, and a few people sent me messages here and there because I had been saying how much I, I liked the idea, and I posted on Twitter how I was going to buy it right away, Yeah, was that they've got rules for regular Warhammer mm-hmm. for how to incorporate them, but you're still... It's not like these are just for Dark Elves. These are... Uh, the, the well, it sounds a little bit like the old 4th edition where a lot of people can take, for example, a Chimera. Yeah. Or something. Um, so th- there are rules to adjust your regular Warhammer game to take these monsters without playing a Storm of Magic game. Okay. But there's also all the stuff for Storm of Magic as well. So I'm really looking forward to it. I buy all the books. I mean, I just do. I, they've got me. I'm, it's, it, the, the, I know the game. They say it's plastic crack. I buy all the books at this point. I mean, the only stuff I, 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 I have the main rule book even for Lord of the Rings because I liked looking through that one. Uh, Harris and I have been buying the 40K books. I was telling Christopher before the show, I said, man, I hope 6th edition's good. It'll justify my buying that damned Orc army and him having a Chaos Marine army because if 6th Ed sucks, I'm going to be really pissed. That's the completest. But I just, you. but you know what? Uh, the fluff, all the cool p- drawings, all the neat rules. It's just, it's nice that to have neat. it. Yeah. yeah, and plus my CDO really does kick in and makes me your Chaos Dwarf online. No CDO, <laughs> isn't it, it OCD? It, no, it's like OCD. The letters are in alphabetical order, like they should be. Ba-doom, so thank you. Try the fish. So <laughs> I got a look. <laughs> Ooh, it just got frigid, man. I am not... Oh, wait, I'm sorry. It was just, okay, forget it. Huh? Games Workshop. Uh, okay, it is April 1st. By the time this releases, it's due out on the 10th when Empire... Everything's coming out on the 7th. So by the time everybody's hearing this, it will be out. I love the cover. Uh, guy's got a weird nose, but I do like the cover. Hmm. Okay. So is his big, nose he's, red? He's got this... It looks like he's got a big... like. He's got like Carl Malden's nose in red. It's really odd. It looks like someone smashed his nose in. Well, if your job is to like hold a stick against a dragon, you'd probably be a drinker too, and you'd have a nose like that. <laughs> I do like the cover. I like that he's got the, the guns. He's got the repeater handgun yeah, in the one looks, hand. Just looks like a regular guy whose job it is to face hell. Yeah, frontline grunt. I do like what I've seen so far, yeah. which is just the cover. Uh, let's see. So actually, the same day that's coming out, all the GW paints are coming out because UGG got a whole bunch of samples, and they have a paint, oh nice. They have a paint tray out with models, so you can actually try out some of the different types of paints. Cool. I was I was kind of impressed. Um, but uh, so the book's coming out for uh, where is it? Forty one twenty five. Okay. Um, Good. So they're not going to raise the price. Nope. All right. Uh, they have paint bundles coming out, like the old paint uh, sets. Where you get like eight or nine paints and uh, and, and a, a little box. Yeah, you'll get either five Space Marines if you want forty k, five Lothern Sea Guard. It used to be the goblins, but now they're going along with sure. the, obviously with the Island, Island, of, Island Blood. of Blood, or twelve Moria goblins if you're buying the Lord of the Rings one. Well, they probably have so many extra. What are we gonna do with these? <laughs> <laughs> they're um, on a box. I did order the How to Paint Citadel miniatures. It's coming with a thick, like a harder cover, uh, with a spiral. And so you can like it's got it's spiral bounce. So you can flip it open and like put it up sort of like tent, like like a little well, tent. It stands up. Yeah. So it stands up. It also comes with a ninety minute DVD with sample paint 
paintings and, and instructions. That does look cool. Uh, I ordered one. Harrison really wants to see it, and I'm. All, I mean, it may not have anything in there that I've never that I didn't know how to do, but just seeing the examples and being able to read it again. What well, it'll utilize all the new paint lines. Yes, so you'll know. Like instead of. Yeah. No. Uh, Do you know how many pages that book is? Uh, I think it's at 136. I think that's what it said. I'm guessing. I mean, I, I remember reading it. I'm just not 100% certain if that was what it was. But, I mean, it looked pretty It looked pretty decent from the, the pictures and stuff I saw. So I'm kind of excited. If you do want to buy the entire 145 paint set with an army case, you can order direct, direct from Citadel for only $536. Cha-ching. But uh, it's a lot of paint. I bought a car, a used car, for that. <laughs> for five hundred, I remember paying six hundred and something for a used car once, with or without a tank of gas. No, <laughs> <laughs> but still, you know, but one hundred and forty-five paints. That's still, I mean, that's less than four bucks a, a pot. But that's a lot of money for. I, I guess I, it is a lot of paint. I suppose if you're of starting money. off and you really like it and you're it's into it, you paint. just it's a lot of paint. I looked at the paint line. I mean, is the, it too much paint? Well, here's the thing. I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know when I would use all the different colors. I mean, they've got, we said, 70, 74, was it? I think it was 74 or, yeah, I think it's 74. Just the, the, the new the layers is the normal paint. Mm-hmm. They had 78 colors total this week. Next Saturday, they'll have 74, just the layers. Then you figure the base coats, they have almost 40 uh, and base is what was foundations. So you got almost forty foundations. You got seventy some odd basic paints, the layers. Mm-hmm. They got a dozen shades, which is their washes. Uh, Fifteen dry brush paints, four glazes. The textured paints I tried out, they were cool. They have one that I like called Lustrian Undergrowth, and it's green, but it's sort of like lumpy and chunky, so it actually does look like sort of the mm. like mossy, chunky undergrowth in a. You can just put that right on your base and be done with it. So I you mean, don't have to, like, f- sand flock it? No. It, it looked really kind of neat. seems like you'd go through that pretty quickly and have to buy more. Uh, well, yeah. But, right. I mean, you could... And you, and, but if you're a beginner, and I think this is what GW is doing, they're going, like, wh- I was talking with Christopher about this, uh, like the Privateer Press. You go and you buy, uh, they got a K-Door line. It comes with six or seven paints. These are the K-Door colors. If you buy this, you've got pretty much everything you need to paint your K-Door pieces here they're coming out with in fact uh i just printed out and showed it to christopher he's got it gw's got these paint schemes where it says uh high elves and then they've got a list of the base coat of blue the two layers so yeah and it'll list out get these five or six colors and they go from base to layer to wash or you know whatever and they give you everything you need if you're new to the hobby or if you're you know you want to you want to kind of take it a little further you're a real beginner they're making it very easy for you to to make that step. Take that. See, in a word, I think it's exhaustive. It's so much. It's like okay. Well, I mean, for those of us who've been painting for a while, I don't necessarily because Heather asked me. She goes, she saw on the Garage Hammer Facebook. She's like, so 145 <laughs> paints, huh? How much is that going to cost us? I'm like nothing because I'm only going to pick up the paints I need. I've got seventy. Yeah, yeah. I've got See, seventy colors down here. Bottom line though is, if you're brand new at this hobby. 
would you recommend that someone, I wouldn't ever, ever, I can't think of a reason in the world unless you're idle and rich to buy $500 worth of paints. Pick the ones you need. Oh, exactly. I mean, no. Yeah, I mean. I, I can't think of, I can't think of one the right target you in the buy. world for a $500 paint kit. I can't think of it. Yeah, unless you work for GW. You know, or unless you're someone who does a lot of painting. If you're doing commission work and you just want every stinking color or you're a completist and you've got a lot of money. For a completist, I can yeah. see. Um, for a collector, I can see. Um, I, why you'd want to collect paint. I don't know. I actually thought about it when I first started doing this, about buying the old paint set with the 78 colors. It was a couple hundred bucks. But I realized, okay, there is at least half a dozen colors in here that the army that I was built, I would never use. Hmm. And that's my concern is, would you use all 140? I mean, even if you were ambitious, would you need all 145 paints? This this line is darn thorough. In it's, fact, I, I was I think more, they more didn't paints have pink. is better than less paints. Yes. I would hate life if I was a retailer, though. Oh, mm. this is going to be a nightmare. Yeah, for, I would you got to buy a couple of everything, and yeah. And I, I'm never going to be going to the store saying, I need two shades slightly lighter than the average goblin green. I mean, you know, I'm not looking for anything that specific. But if you if you do have a game store that has a lot of different players, I mean, especially with the with the with the umpteen versions of Space Marines, you can go in and pick the exact shade you want for your and you can take I can, I can go in and say, OK, I want this green, the one below it, and the one above it. And I know I've got my I'm going to paint darker angels. <laughs> <laughs> but you got your your you know your your shade and your highlight colors. I mean, there's a, a nice little string of if you're going to come in to buy one or two for something, you can pick up six and have your whole range and be right. done. And I think that's part of the, I think that's part of the plan. Like I said, they didn't have anything close to pink to do the pink horrors with. I actually bought squid pink from Vallejo to base them when I brought them over to Grant today. Hmm. And oh look, pink horror pink and Emperor's Children and they're more purple than pink. But I, th- I think I still have a bottle of tentacle pink from years ago. So but I mean it's an exhaustive paint set. Like you said, they have everything. Yeah. I wonder if that if that book if it calls on their readers to like pick and choose a lot from this new range, they might force people to the only if they want to follow step by step, get those paints. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're if you if that's if it's a paint by numbers sort of a thing, right. where you just want to get the book and do exactly what they do, then this is perfect. Well, what annoys me was there was a PDF up on GW that goes what's new today, and they were talking about their paints, and they had a PDF with the list of all the existing colors and what their new names are going to be. And I know I printed it out, but it got lost somewhere down here in the shuffle. And I went on the website today to look for it, and I just couldn't find it to save my life. And it's like. Hmm. Damn, you need to make that easy to find because that's annoying. You know, you should have the that, that should be an easy to find for those of you who still have the old paints. While you still have the old paints, you should be able to get I, I at least because if I'm reading this and it's telling me use this, that, and this, I'd like to at least know so what I'm using. Never punish a customer for buying one of your products. Exactly, because right now they have a list of all 78 current colors. And so what do they translate to in the new range? Yes, because. Okay. Here's the thing: all 78 current colors still exist, but they all got renamed. I see. Which yeah, that ugh. is a, that I don't like. That doesn't make any any amount of sense. If yeah, I'm uh, looking for a particular color and I don't know which one it was, I'm oh, angry at the store. Oh, and and to answer the question that I know is on everyone's mind, Agrax Earthshade is Devlin Mud. So, <laughs> which one's Goblin Green? I don't know which green it is because I don't have the damn list, and there's a whole <laughs> lot of them. Uh, it could it be moot I green. Don't. It could be scarsnick <laughs> green. It well, here it could be 
Cabalite Green, Sybarite Green, Warpstone Glow, Ma- uh, Moot Green, Warboss Green, Scarlet Green. We should move green. on. Yeah, just, <laughs> there's about 15 greens, so I don't know which. Wow. Does it matter? I guess in the long run, no, unless, of course, your store no longer has that color and you're halfway through your army. You're going to want to know, hey, I've been painting in Goblin Green. Which one of these was Goblin Green? Well, it's going to force people to bring in their old paint pots. Yeah. And just match it. Yeah, mix and match. So... Well, we should at least bring up. I mean, I realize the paints are cool, but let's oh, yeah, talk let's about the Empire. On. Yeah, there's a long list of stuff. A lot of some of the stuff's repeated. Yeah, obviously coming out in fine cast, but Carol Friends on Deathclaw, which is a spectacular. I think that some people might complain that the head is too small on the Griffin, but I am really impressed with this kit. Yeah, this kit looks. Have you guys seen it? Pretty cool. I have seen it. It it, it looks pretty cool. It looks very different from the High Elf Griffin. Yes. It's uh, bigger, of course. Bigger, and um, I don't know. Some of the features are more exaggerated. Yes. Um, I, I think that there is no such thing as power creep anymore in 8th edition, but model creep is definitely real. Mm. Everything's getting bigger. Yeah, this is Carl Franz. He's got the biggest, baddest griffin on, that they could breed Death in the Claw. Imperial Zoo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's plastic. And someone was saying that this is the first named character in a plastic model. They all used to be metals. All the named characters are metals, and then they all came out in fine cast. Hmm. And I can't hmm. think... In fact, I started going through my models. They have character models, heroes and lords in plastic, but named characters, like specific, like Techless is now in fine cast or in metal. Well, they always wanted plastic. to be able to keep the details sharp as possible, but it right. seems like the technology is there that they can actually make a model they're proud of and make it a signature line model in plastic. That's fine with yeah. me. I'm fine. I love the model. It's really nice. Um... Now, the next two are the ones that you either people have been loving or hating on. Yep. The Demigriff Knights, three knights for $54.50. Uh, they're a little pricey. I think they look pretty darn cool. I like them. Um, I've heard more people like them than dislike them. I, yep. I, I know that uh, Wayne Kemp isn't sold, but yeah. I like them. I do, too. Um, I know some people said they looked a little small on the base or they looked a little skinny. I actually like the fact that they are smaller than a griffin. They look small. They I mean, should be smaller than a griffin. To, they're to demi griffins. Yeah, yeah, this is a this is a practically a different race. This is something else. It's not a griffin. So, but they said they looked small on the base. Uh, once again, as I always say, I'm holding off till I actually see that plastic model in my hand because mm-hmm. I really hated the Mornfang Cav and thought they looked like they had those little teeny tiny back waist and they looked stupid. And then when I actually saw one up close and personal, I thought they looked pretty darn cool so well everyone's going to have their own yeah. opinion but they're they're coming out soon this is a new model we haven't seen it's like before maybe no. with the exception of uh forge world just came out with theodore bruckner and this is a larger version for them and so these are yeah. smaller they're actually, 40 by 40s the bruckner's demigriff i didn't like necessarily all that much i thought they were an, i did that not one i thought it looked pretty good i liked it i thought it looked i just i thought the ride i thought the ride looked a little weird personally like i i, I liked it but it wasn't i like these better uh, I was heard the base is fifty by seventy five, and I thought they did not. I thought they looked. Really? I thought they looked square. Well, I the guess GW. Everyone kept saying they look square. And I said no. I don't think they're square. I think that they're rectangle. Yeah, yeah we'll, and I was we'll find some, out. someone was posting it on Twitter that they're fifty by seventy. Another could another be wrong. unique base size. We shall see. Yeah. Um, then you've got the Celestial Hurricanum or Luminarch of Heesh. These are the ones I'm struggling with. I, I don't know if I like the way they look, but. I, I think like, they'll be fun to paint. I like the wagon itself. I like that it looks like an actual wagon, Like, and then they just sort of built it up to do this thing. Uh, I'd like to see what the purpose of it is, basically. I, I think that the... 
I know people think they look silly or stupid. Yeah, I, I guess I'm in that camp. I hate to admit it. I, I'm not a fan myself, but I think it, I, I think it's 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 appropriate in the army that it's in. Just the weird spinning planets moving all around. Like I have no idea why that's there. Like what the purpose is, but I think it it, it looks pretty darn cool. It, look, it looks like a carnival ride. My first thought is, why did you bring this thing to war? Well, and that's why I want to know what its purpose is because. Yeah. It looks really cool, but I just don't understand. Like what I understand, what the laser is going to do. The other thing. Well, let's explain it. That's the what is it? The Luminarch of Hish. Yeah. You know, I had it wrong. I thought Hish was going to be shadow or death or death, but it turns out it's actually a. It's dedicated to the lore of light. Yeah. And well, uh, and it's, it's lenses focusing. Yeah, these a magical solar. light blast. He's casting his spells through these series of lenses to focus them. Which I didn't think. I mean, a lot of people, uh, like just. I mean, even I was making fun of calling it the laser because it does look a little silly, but... It's, yeah, it brings a little pew-pew-pew to fantasy. You know, I've taken magnifying glasses and focused light before. Who, why Why the Empire... Took guys your grin of ants everywhere. Yes. <laughs> why the Empire wouldn't be able to figure out that you could do something like that. I mean, with all of their technology, I think it's a, I think it's a cool concept. Having six of them in the row with the ball at the end so it looks like a Flash Gordon laser... Might be a little silly. Yeah, I don't know. I think it fits the kind of clockwork, semi-steampunk yeah. allure that the but Empire sometimes it's has. It's funny, though, because my original idea behind Empire was it was this was the one true race of men. You know, normalcy. This is this is the, the bastion of normal human beings in the storm of madness. You know, And now I'm starting to think, actually, that would probably be the Bretonians, because now the Empire is starting to become this clockwork cacophony. Well, I mean, they're learning stuff from the dwarfs, and they're taking it, and, and but I mean, they're do they, being as do they feel as like can. humans because they're riding on demigriffs? They have these unusual contraptions. Everyone's got these weird gadgets, mechanical horses. Well, it's uh, it's their master of technology and master of uh, genetics, yeah. crossbreeding all these animals. Yeah, I mean, they were, the thing is, they were in the old book. It was just people didn't take them. Now they're making it worth taking. I mean, there's a whole section called the Imperial Zoo. I mean, they didn't have demigriffs because that's something that they added in now. But you were able to take all of these bizarre creatures. People just didn't take them. You know, I, it I'm, wasn't. Worth I'm not saying that my argument has merit. I guess I'm just uh-huh. bringing it up to make people think. I I'm just seeing it out there as almost being devil's advocate. I don't know if I'm right or wrong. It's just something that makes me question. So, which, in a way, almost seems like Bretonians are the. We're just normal men, but we can defeat anything with our willpower. Versus the Empire, which is we're just normal men, but we made this giant robot. Well, like I said, they've, yeah. Well, I, I think normal men would have, you know, technology would be one of the arrows in their quiver. Yeah, that's true. But, I mean, it no longer feels like defenseless men anymore, guys with sticks. Now it feels well, like, yeah. well, well that steam was that, tanks. Yeah. And, yeah. Well, that was the YouTube. Mortars and stuff. The, the, yeah. Even the video on YouTube was saying how uh, they had that preview for the Empire saying how we've beset on all sides, but we can't just have wall. Uh, we, we can't just defend the borders with walls of men. We don't have enough. And so we've prayed to Sigmar. We've got a faith, fury, and fell beasts, or something like something that. Like that yeah. It was like what what we were given. I'm like, okay, this is kind of neat. Uh, I'm, I actually like the idea of seeing what, like I said, what they called in the last book, the Imperial Zoo, coming forward. Speaking um, of, what did you say, bestial fury? Because yeah. they actually made. I, I don't know if it's fine cast or plastic. The but amber. They, hmm? Is it the amber wizard? Amber you? wizard, right? The beast wizard. So they've got a they've got this coach de- dedicated to light. They've got another one dedicated to I am assuming the celestial hurricanum. Heaven. Celestial implies heavens, and then they have a specific one for beasts. The amber are battle they, wizard. Yeah. Are they focusing their magic to hone in on certain lures more than others? No idea until we get to the uh, until, until we, we get, get to the, the book. book. Yeah. Next 
Yeah, but uh, curious to see. I think it's kind of neat. I mean, there's some really neat stuff in there. Uh, I'm 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 kind of excited. A lot of people have been saying they're kind of excited to to, to try an Empire Army in all of their um, individual characters. They're making a new Hawkland Long Rifle guy. They've got um, yeah. I mean, you could go down. Let's see. The Witch Hunter. Witch Hunter. The Witch Hunter looks really cool. And okay, so they're bringing in an actual, taking something from the fluff and now creating a new character that you can actually put into your army. They've always been in their stories, but they've never focused and actually made, to my knowledge, maybe maybe in an earlier edition, but not in the last edition. So it's nice to see that have its own stats, have its own rules. I mean, I just ran down the list. Uh, Volkmar on his war altar. Hmm. Then they've got a captain of the Empire, the master engineer, Marcus Wolfhart. I don't know who that dude is. He's new. Luther Huss, the Prophet of Sigmar. Yep. Uh, Marcus Leitdorf. Uh, Balthazar Gelt. That's the uh, that's the metal wizard. Uh, yes, I'd, I'd be curious wizard. to see whether or not they make another tra- uh, uh, grand wizard transition. It's possible. Yeah, because we were talking about that. Especially I'd, with the, I'd love it, yeah. Uh, let's see. Captain of the Empire, all three of the old ones. The BSB with the Griffin Banner. The Master Engineer with the Steed. The Long Rifle. The Repeater Pistol. The Repeater Handgun. The warrior priests, the three versions, the Empire Grand Master of the Knights Panther, the Empire Grand Master of the of the White Wolves, uh, the Valton models. You know, they sold those that Valton, the the reincarnation of Sigmar. They had the models you could buy. It was like in the fluff. Um, he was in there. Now they sell all three of them in one package because they had like mm-hmm. the Valton at the beginning, then Valton the Hero, then Valton the Exalted, uh, the Halfling Hot Pot Catapult. Is it getting re-released? Is on sale. Fine cast twenty nine seventy five. Yeah, halflings. Now uh, that actually made me question: um, Are they going to be? You know, are you going to be able to take dogs of war type things? Well, no. Halflings used to be part of the empire, right? But I mean, they weren't in the last list, and they're they're a race that's not men. Would you be able to take other stuff? But the halflings are part of the empire. Uh-huh. I mean, literally, they're oh, part, yeah. the mood is part of the empire, and they used to be in the old books. So my guess is they'll just bring it back. My guess is it's probably just going to be a new I, a new reintroduction of halflings for the empire. Well, I went and clicked on it and read what they had on the website, and it explained, oh, the halflings do this, and the, you know they they don't use any weapons because they'll throw you a really spicy stew on you and burn you, and it actually says there as I'm reading it. You could use this as a as a basically in place of a mortar or in place of the rocket battery. So I have a feeling mm-hmm. that because it literally says you could use it in place of. I'm I'm worried that they're not actually going to be something you can take. I'm it'll worried that like it'll a, be like a, this counts as the rocket battery. Or this counts as huh. it, it's the, the way they worded it. It sounded like a model alternative as opposed to an actual. Option for something to take. I'd have, I would have liked to have seen it be something you could take. It, it not that be. the empire I mean, we'll needs. Not, not excuse me. Not that the empire needs any more war machines <laughs> or no. you know or, or, or basically ballistics. Uh, I heard you know. I heard a rumor that the Hellstorm is going to end up being D three templates. I don't know if it's true or not. All I did is I saw it on Twitter and uh, D three templates. Yeah, but they're going to be like strength three, but so less damage, more coverage. Possibly. Wow. I mean, who knows if that's true? We're gonna mm. by the time this show comes out, that'll yeah. probably be either debunked or made true. But we'll, well find out. Yeah, and we'll cover it in the next episode or two, mm-hmm. uh, depending mm-hmm. on when we get to record next. Well, no, this so. is the last episode. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So never. So <laughs> you guys will have to do it yourselves. Skip Stevenson. Sorry. <laughs> Oi! Shut <laughs> it. I'm listening to my show. <laughs> it's outrageous. <sighs> okay. Um. What other news? No other news other than we got no voicemails. 
about anyone's tournaments. So, <laughs> listen, guys, if you want to promote your tournaments, 757-GH-SHOW-6. So, call Garage Hammer Show 6. That's what was available. Uh, and leave us a voicemail. We like voicemails. Leave us a voicemail, and we'll might play it on the show. So, uh, let's do that. Let's take a break and come back with the Garage Manager section. Coolio. All right, so I guess we'll use this old army book as a hill, and uh, we'll use this soda can as the Dark Tower of Darkness, okay? Take your game to the next level with Weird World's Terrain. Our products are handcrafted and cast in lightweight, durable plastic resin that's sure to stand up to the rigors of battle. We're adding new products all the time, so if you're tired of the same boring hills and forests on your table, make Weird World's Terrain your destination for tabletop wargaming terrain. WeirdWorldsTerrain.com. What's your world? We're back. Hey, what do you know about that? We're always back. Chris, you tell me a story. Go. Once upon a time, there were a bunch of guys doing a podcast in David's garage, and it was good times. That's the best story ever. Ever! And the moral is, David is the master engineer. (laughs) (laughs) I totally forgot to get this to you, but uh, Cranky Lawyer sent another gift. To you? No, uh, actually to Chris Yu. Oh. Oh, yeah. Is that a spam cookbook? It's a spam cookbook. The spam cookbook. He heard him talking about how nice Koreans love spam, and he's got a copy of the spam cookbook and sent it here. This is hilarious. Yeah. I got some cool well, these photos. It actually looks like gourmet, like high-end You know, I'm going to have to sit down with you at some point and, and have a meal of spam. We oh, just, yeah. We okay. just bought, I'll I'll commit to it. We just bought two cans today because Harrison likes. Is that a spam tortilla? Yep. Nice. And by tortilla, folks, I mean egg. Yeah, no, there's all sorts of stuff in there that you can make. Just basically taking decent recipes and removing the meat and replacing it with spam. This is awesome. Thank you, Cranky. We'll have to uh, <laughs> whip some together and have a meal. We'll have to whip something up and bring it to bits so he can... Yeah. We could probably do that. There's no reason why we can't bring some spam to bits and uh, have hey, ourselves we're, we're a nice... Bringing, we're bringing cookies and pastry to Adepticon. So oh, that's <laughs> right. Did I commit to that or not? I can't remember. I don't know, but i got to make Heather make some banana bread with chocolate chips. So. I'm a freaking baker. I should do <laughs> so. Depending on your tastes... Pick, your t- pick and choose your tournaments. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to eat pastries and play Warhammer. All right. I'll bring some Kolachki. All right. Garage manager section, which is brought to you by Chaos Orc Superstore. Chaos Orc Superstore. Chaos Orc Superstore. Chaos Orc Superstore. That's right, folks. Chaos Orc Superstore. Your one-stop shop for all your hobby gaming needs. They've not only got current and classic GW releases, Chess X Dice, and Vallejo Paints, but now they're also carrying Mantic, Infinity, Flames of War, Privateer Press, Soda Pop, Dark Age, and other assorted boarded miniature-based games. They usually ship within 24 hours, and the model in the picture is the model they ship to you, because at Chaos Orc Superstore, what you see is what you get. Chaos Orc Superstore. All right, so, uh, modeling, gaming, and reading. Dave, why don't you kick it off? Okay. Why don't you kick it off? Kick it up a notch. All right, modeling. Uh, the six flamers, 15 pink horrors, and 33 blood letters that I had, I uh, built for the uh, team, tournament. team tournament. I got them, I primed them and base coated them. So, and I actually brought them over to Grant today because he painted his. I'm using his ogres and he's using the demons. Okay. But I was like, well, geez, you already did a really nice paint job on those ogres. Why don't we use those? I'll just. I'll buy demons. I don't have time to paint them, but if 
he can paint them to match. So they're going to have a similar color scheme because Grant's going to paint them all. Mm. So Grant's painting my demons. I guess I have a demon army now. Yeah, you say that like you're surprised. You bought I, them. Yeah. Well, you know, it was what really... What happened? I have a demon army. I accidentally tripped and threw my credit card at someone, and they handed <laughs> me a whole bunch of demons. No. I don't know how it happened. Well, I mean, I was just getting 1,000 points for the team tournament because Grant... I mean, he was using his ogres. I had to come up with the other half of the army. Entire range. Almost complete. No, actually, all I've got right now is I've got 20 pink horrors, six flamers. Uh, and when I bought... I, tr- I, I made a trade with a guy blood, for blood some... Blood letters. Don't forget the blood letters. Oh, I, like I said, I made a trade with some guy for for the for something, and that kind of that was part of the tra- came in with the trade. It was like a bonus. I got the six. I have forty blood letters, but I have six blood crushers and five flesh hounds of corn that came. So how is this not an this army? Trade. Sounds like an army. No, it, it sounds like an army. It is, but it was like the blood letters and the blood crushers sort of kind of sitting in a box off to the side because I hadn't really pulled them out. Didn't wasn't painting them. I wasn't thinking about doing you, demons at all. It was just sort an of army sitting book? there. He has an army book. Army books. Oh, well, excuse me. <laughs> you, well, you get that demon army book, and you have demon miniatures. Yeah. That means you have so, a demon army. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he doesn't have any dice. Oh, wait, you do. But, I, but it wasn't like, I wasn't like, oh, I think I'm going to start demons. It was like I had some from a trade, and they were just kind of sitting off on the side. Because they actually were based for 40K. It got a lizard man army, I'll sell you. No. No, stop it. <laughs> they were based for 40K. I had to get them off the bases. I mean, I've got one of those those. The, the spider walk-in demon things for the for, the 40K demon. Defiler? Yeah, the defiler. Oh, no, no, the soul grinder. Oh. I mean, like I said, it was it was all done for 40K. I have to rebase. So I never bothered to rebase it. it. Like, demons were not on the horizon for me really at all. Harrison's been, oh, fix him, fix him. I want to play him. I'm like, get out of here. But then Grant's like, let's, let's do this. And I said, well, okay, I've got this start, so... No, I've got about a fifteen hundred nice. so point a, army. You have a demon army, yeah. Oh, there that goes. But okay, so what I do? Oh, I I primed ten dire wolves, and then I uh, primed, base coated in the rotting flesh, and painted all the clothes for all hundred eighty of the zombies that you guys got me for my birthday. Hundred and eighty. In two days or three days. Two days. I was sitting at, I had to go, I took Heather to her Twilight convention. It was in the city last weekend. I dropped her off and then stayed at her parents' house for the weekend. And her mom was working. Her dad was out of town. It was just me and the kids. So they were watching videos and playing. And, and I just zombies. sat there. Well, I, I used the airbrush to do the 180. The, uh-huh. the, 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 it took me about two hours to, two and a half hours to do the. So you primed and base coated them. Yeah. And then I went back, but then I went in by hand and painted all the, the clothing, like the little loincloth things. It, it, the, and the end game for this is Adepticon. Is yeah. Right? I don't think I'm going to need as many as I originally did. I'm going to take only two units instead of three, so I won't need as many. But yeah, I'm trying to get it ready for Adepticon. Cool. So I will be dipping them. I want, I, I, we were talking before the show. I wanted to do them in a bog. So I wanted to like do water effects, do have them walking through water. I bought the the GW tufts of, of grass. So I have a little tuft of grass sticking out and a little rock mm-hmm. and then have it all be water like they're slogging through a swamp. And doing those water effects is too much of a pain in the butt to get done in time for 180 separate small models. Like if you want to do it on a couple of like a couple of cavalry models or something like that, I might consider doing it for like my uh, Black Knights, which have a slightly bigger bases, have it look like they're running through swampy... I don't know. I water. think you could you could do it on the zombies if you just apply it like a, as a thin coat. I'm going to give it a try in a couple and see how it works. If it works well, I'm going to try it. Um, but that's kind of my hope was to have them because the whole army, everything, all the units, green is like the tying it together color, and the zombies aren't green. Like they don't have any green on them. 
So the green was going to be, I was going to paint like a greenish brown in the water and then put the green tufts of grass. Oh, to tie it together. And that would be the color that ties them into the rest of the army. Okay. But that's a lot of work. But it's coming along. 180. I painted. Nice. Half, got halfway through. Well, I mean, seriously, a dip and a couple of highlights. And there's uh, actually dip, blood, and bone, and the zombies will be done. So nice. I got a good move on 180 models halfway done. Very nice. Cool. Chris, I've had no hobby time whatsoever, so I'm just going to throw it straight to you. Uh, just I've been working on some eagles. You know, with the pending arrival of our third kid, I haven't. I've kind of t- right. taken my foot off the gas hobby wise, sure, just sure. in case that kid arrives and I can't go to Adepticon. Uh, just working on some eagles that I brought here to get your guys' feedback on them. Um, middle of painting those, I have four of them, and I, I should be you know ready to go by the time Adepticon gets here. Nice. They're so. really. Really nice. What did you use for the the, the little rod to hold them up? Because that's not that's the, a, a brass rod. It is brass yeah. rod. Okay. I'm so tired of the plastic stem breaking off. Well, and, the thing is, know. I know it's clear plastic, so it's kind of like it's flo- It's not, not like you it. don't see it. It's not, not, worth not it. like it's, it's not worth it because it's only temporary. Yeah. No matter what, it's matter temporary. Time before mm-hmm. it breaks, it yeah. will break. Every I mean, one I, I've I ever hit is broken. Yeah, I pin it and on both ends, and it still snaps. I could show you, I mean, if you were interested. I mean, those you don't need it for because you've got the metal rods in. But I did buy the back-to-basics bases, mm-hmm. and they've got, it's a squared, clear plastic base, but it's not a little round tube. It's squared, and it actually shows you where you could, you know, drill a hole in the bottom, put a magnet on the mm-hmm. bottom of the eagle, put a magnet on the top of the base. Mm. So it'll stick right to it. Yep. And it's the rare earth, but then you can take it off and put it in your carry case and not worry about that rod breaking. How strong a magnet is it? Like when you put it on there, does it, it, is it's, it? They're they're pretty good. Is it okay? Yeah, the, those rare earth magnets are are pretty darn good. I was surprised how well they held actually. Mm. Um, they, especially to each other, they they hold like crazy. Okay. Um, I'm actually that's what I'm doing for my black coach. Once I get that done, I'll show it to you and let you see it if you like it. And I bought mm. like two sets of bases because I wanted two different sizes. So I've got some extras. I mean, not not for these. These are obviously close right, to yeah, done. Right. But it's just an option. You know, an, yeah, another option. I, I've done that with miniatures in the pad, that, that Babylon 5 game. I magnetized all the all the ships so that they could remove. I think we've mentioned on the show before, but yeah, for the listeners who aren't aware, Chris and I both used to play a game called uh, A Call to Arms based on the old Babylon 5. It was oh, a, cool. a very good ship combat game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. So other than the Eagles, you've done anything? Where'd you get the... Those the resin bases, obviously. Uh, they, I, I bought the individual rock, broken rock pieces from Cyborg Miniatures. Oh, okay. Ah, okay. Well, and uh, I, I green stuffed some waves and some water effects on there to, the, to match the display board. For those who, oh, who can't see the models, okay. so the bases are from Cyborg, at least the pieces are, and then the models are from Game Zone. Right, Which correct. is uh, distributed by Cool Mini or not. Yes. Okay. That's where I got them from. Very so nice. I, I bit the bullet and got those. They're a little expensive, but... 100% worth it. The old Eagles are, I think... Are looking a little dated. I mean, the GW Eagles, the current ones are you, okay. If you painted that one to look, I, I'm pointing at the old GW one to the three other new Eagles that you've got. If they were painted in the same color scheme, it would it would match. Just I mean, fine, this, I this one is actually a GW Eagle. Yeah, that's yeah, what, yeah that's yeah. what I thought. But the the previous edition ones, one generation older, and they were smaller, much smaller. And yeah. They look too cartoony. I think. Yeah, but I think so. the size difference is, is so huge. That's. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the Wood Elf Army I have, I have some of the new uh, the Eagle Riders and some of the old Eagle Riders, 
and the old eagle, right? Like the eagles are like half the size. It's like these are the yeah. baby eagles, especially with the new models getting bigger and yeah. Well, the nice thing about these versus some of the other models from GW, like if they did an eagle now, they'd almost want to make it. A GW eagle. There's going to be something unusual about it. There's probably going to be skulls all over it. I mean, these just look like big eagles. <laughs> skulls going right. on. Well, and the nice thing is you painted the, the two from GameZone and the one from GW the same, and they do all look... I mean, they, they work together. They could, they could pass as the same range. And they've yep. got different poses, and that's really... That's so nice. It's very dynamic. It yeah. makes them look like they're in motion on the table in a way. Yeah. The, I th- the eagles that from my army last year, I think, were very lacking, and... Uh, they I looked. Mean, they looked. I mean, they looked nice. I mean, they, they were looked, well. Uh, yeah. They looked okay. Tabletop quality, I would say. Okay, so I needed to upgrade them. They, they, they're fantastic. These new eagles are fantastic. I mean, they're just they're really beautiful. I like them a Thank lot. You. And I like the bases. What you do? You just use foam for the the base portion of the base that you put the little rock bits. Uh, in? Yeah, that's this is the it's pink foam. Well, the, the polystyrene. You can see, yeah, it's, it's it's pink foam to give it some rock effect. It's yeah. And no, the, it's, the rest of it is all green stuff and stuff. Yeah, these are some really nice. Some really nice models. So, uh, uh, anything other than the eagles? Uh, a lot of movement trays for oh, uh, for trolls, and we can talk about movement trays because I know you have a system for building some. Yeah. I have a system for building, and we can compare and contrast. And cool. Yeah. And Chris is rolling his eyes like uh, <laughs> movement trays. I have them. <laughs> Actually, I just started building any. I've been buying the ten dollar boxes of the GW. Just the big the plastic ones, the big plastic sheets, and making. Tra- I most of the time I make movement trays out of those. That's what I'm using right now. I've been very content with them, but when I went to magnetizing, I just decided to try something different. So, mm-hmm. but we'll, yeah, I guess we can get to that in a bit. Um, reading? You've done any reading? I um, have. I've been reading. Um, no, no fiction, no no nonfiction. Instead, I've been reading, rereading the rules for the fourth edition Dungeons and Dragons. I'm actually going to go ahead and try and eventually get some sort of campaign going. And so I've just been studying up and tried a couple of practice rounds of combat. It was a lot of fun. Hmm, cool. So, but you? Any reading? Um, you know, I've been reading a little bit of the fluff in the VC book. Hmm. Ah. The, the the section where they try to splinter all the forces of good. Yeah. The dwarves and the elves. Th- yeah, that new that new bit they added is only about four pages, but it's really... It's cool. It's interesting. Yeah. They swoop down and steal the, the high elven princess and the phoenix gonna, princess. They're yeah. gonna take her to revive Nagash. I mean, that's mm. just that's too cool. Yeah, that was I really like that. Yeah, everyone's trying to break up the high, the high elves and the dwarves. Yeah, just let them date. Well, I think it's a cool thing. Chris was even talking. It's like e- e- the the forces of evil are starting to realize if you let humans, elves, and dwarves band together, it's the perfect complement of military styles. They can protect each other, but if you can break them apart, you can defeat them individually. Them. Yeah. 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 So and and uh, Manfred just yeah I I'm not going to be able to do this if these three are all united against mm-hmm. me. So let's get them mad at each other. And they did a darn good job of it too. But they did. <laughs> I'm interested to see if when the new dwarf book or the new high elf book comes out, if that fluff gets incorporated. Into, like if they're actually moving the story along on all fronts and they're going to intertwine them and keep that moving along because that's. If that happened, that's gonna, I, I, that would be cool. That's going to cause trouble, and I'd like to know what kind of trouble it caused, you know, and see something happen in the in the future fluff in the other books. That would be nice. Well, I mean, so, maybe they'll come come out with a rule for the dwarves called "High Elves are jerks," and you can't really ally with them easily. <laughs> they may be jerks, but dwarves just suck. Dwarves just suck. That'll be the High Elf rule. Yeah. Speed of Hysterion, dwarves suck. People just be hating and jealous on them dwarves, and I don't get it. 
Word up. Dog. How many? How, but seriously, we were laughing about this. How many books? Like Harrison was playing against Caleb for the campaign, mm-hmm. and he took that uh, thing where if the Anvil of Doom is in play, it has to re-roll successful strikings and minus one to any rolls. On if it's it, the Cloak of Beards or something like that. No, the Cloak of Beards makes them all all dwarfs fear and hate the bear, the bear and the unit he's with, and the, any magical items. Uh, in base contact become mundane. Yeah. Kind of independent of vengeance. But it's like, how well, many... Well, think of it this way. When you have a race that keeps a record of grudges against every other race, mm-hmm. the other races are more inclined to return the favor. Because Skaven have, have anti-dwarf specific items. Mm-hmm. High elves have anti-dwarf specific items. Oh, yeah. You've mentioned this before. Well, how come everyone has so much anti-dwarf stuff? Because <laughs> they're so hateable. Because uh, they're so awesome. Everyone's... Get, this is what we take out when, when the dwarves come. We got to have something special to handle them because they's going to kick our butts. Maybe there should be a new war of the beard. Oh the, yes. The dark elves have been quiet. <laughs> We've bided our time. Well, maybe I think it's time that the dwarves and the high elves remember how little they like each other. Well, I and think, resolve this. I think Manfred just started that. Is the whole point, Manfred? Oh, we're, you're supposed to be protecting this high elf princess. Well, we're going to come steal her while she's under your protection. Well, you are a fluff player. It's time to get angry. Get angry, Dave. Get Arg. angry. Rawr. You've been wronged, Chris, you, by I the dwarves. I would love nothing better than to run down some stinky, hairy dwarves. And they're really smelly. I oh, mean, yeah. so smelly that the only the only The only thing that could cover up the smell of them would be sulfur, which is Christopher's <laughs> chaos dwarves. <laughs> I can't tell that they smell over the sulfur. So... All right, let's move along. Fire, um, fire cleans. Reading. Fire cleans. I'm rereading Hunger Games because I have to teach it this semester. Okay. And, you know, oh, that's cool. You're teaching it? That's pretty neat. Yeah, but it was one of those things where it was like they just threw it at me. Like, hey, here's a list of books. Pick one to teach. And uh, Hunger Games wasn't on the list. And they're like, oh, we want a choice by Friday. And I'm like, I haven't read these. They go, oh, you can go to the library and check out these five books and read them all and pick one. I'm like, oh, no, not in two days. It's not going to happen. So then I picked the one book I'd read. And they're like, oh, "We don't. That was the book we were hoping you wouldn't pick. We think it's the Lex House course too low. Maybe you should pick a different book." And I'm like, "Then just pick me a book." Then why was it on the list? That's what I said. And I said, "Well, you know what? Then just pick a book because I honestly don't care at this point. This is aggravating. Why don't you teach the Hunger Games? Kids like the Hunger Games. Why don't you read? The, okay, I, I've read the Hunger Games, so yeah, I'll teach that. And so now we're reading the Hunger Games, and I'm reading Mechanicum." From the it's book no, it's nine. The, oh, oh, from of the Black Library. Okay, book nine of the Horus Heresy. Wow, there's like ni- nineteen or twenty of them. So I'm getting, I'm getting there. This Turn is book the number of the Horus Heresy series. Yeah, I know. I'm gonna have to take a break and read something else just for my. Are they getting exhausting? Or are they still just as good? They're actually. I've only read one that I didn't think was all that good. Um, this is the ninth book, and book six was eh. Uh, but the rest of them went from pretty darn good to amazing. Okay. I mean, fair enough. The one book out of nine being a letdown. I, I'll keep going with this series for a while. So no, that's that's pretty uh, pretty good actually. Yeah. Uh, so to gaming. Gaming. I uh, go ahead. Did not. I mean, I played in our Blood Bowl league. Mm-hmm. Um, I got my second win. Congrats! And it was against the same team I got my first win against. 
The, the Cotton Blossoms, the High Elf team. It's funny. That's one of the ones I lost against. It was uh, High Elf versus High Elf, and I just I wasn't High Elf enough. Uh, it was you weren't high enough? <laughs> I don't think that would have helped. <laughs> it, was, it was almost the same game. I didn't win by as much, but it was like the first half I spent doing a lot of pushing. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly in the second half, it was injury, injury, injury. Okay, I, I won two to nothing. Good job. Yeah, uh, he's such a great opponent, and he really just takes it all in stride. I just, I, I just have luck against his team for some reason. But that's pretty much all the gaming I did. I spent all of spring break tearing out the carpets in the first floor and putting in uh, hardwood floors. So that took away from game time. I hear you. It's kind of what happened to my hobby time. Not your floor, of course. <laughs> <laughs> my floor took away from Christopher's hobby time. Um. Do you want me to go or do you want me to go? You want me to finish up? Okay, so for my gaming, I did have one game of Warhammer Fantasy, and I attempted a couple of times to play Blood Bowl, and that'll lead into the, uh, gee, my computer doesn't work story. But, oh, boy. Well, it's real short. It goes like this. Uh, Joe Flesh and I tried twice to play our games, and there was something really wrong with the connection. So the next day we tried the third time, and it was still not working. My team was intermittently working. I could only partially interact with the guys, but he couldn't play over the weekend. It was his anniversary. And I said, you know what, let's just, let's just play it the way it is. Let's just do it. I lost. He played well. Um, I couldn't always control my guys. So I will defend myself in saying I was not in control of the team. But Joe was able to take advantage of this and play very well, and he did take the win two to nothing. So... It was a it was a it was a loss for me that hurt a little bit because I felt like I could have I could have performed better if it was just on the table. <laughs> sure, been a lot worse than two two to nothing. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, there were I twice at least I wasn't able to. The computer was not working, and what ultimately happened is it turns out my graphics card died in front of me, and the computer just stops. It's not working right, right. now. So yeah, it could have been worse. Could have been much worse. I'm not too upset about it, considering before that I was actually in first place. I feel like now like. Now's my Eye of the Tiger moment to bring it back. Dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. Hmm. So. You should have tried the uh, MS-DOS version of Blood Bowl. <laughs> move yeah, guy, two squares to the left. Yeah, C colon, move guy. <laughs> <laughs> go north. You can't go north. Go west. You see a troll. Hit troll with axe. You made a grow. You're likely to be eaten. <laughs> <laughs> that being said, even though my computer was down, I have been in love with Blood Bowl. I remember how good this game is. I can't stop thinking about how much I'm enjoying it. Um, along with Warhammer, I just I'm crazy about it. Do you guys want to do a tabletop? I would love to. Face? I would love to. Love, oh, sure. love to. Anytime. Yeah, I'd be up for that too. Yeah, I think Blood Bowl is a terrific game. Uh, other than that, the one game I did play was against. Uh, let me think. It was a Greg Marcotte. Okay. And that was for the campaign. Oh, okay. So Chaos Dwarves versus the Warriors of Chaos. I didn't even know what army he played. I uh, went over to his house, met his wife, met his daughter. We all had supper. It was great. They made a great Indian meal. Oh wow! And then we d- oh, it was a terrific evening. And then um, then we just sat and played some played some Warhammer. In a nutshell, this was a r- very minor tweak off the list I played for the Primer, which meant it still had the train Hellbound, still had the Destroyer, um, still killable but difficult to do. A mm-hmm. uh, big block of warriors, big block of uh, hobgoblins. See, Magma Cannon and a Death Shrieker rocket. Okay. And then th- three characters, BSB, Level 1 Fire, who's basically my engineer, mm-hmm. just my manning the um, the artillery, mm-hmm. and then my Level 4 and with my block of uh, Infernal Guard. Okay, so truly unchanged. 
Uh, the only thing I added to that, because I had an additional 50 points, mm-hmm. it went from 22 to 22.50. So the only thing I added was, I think, a 50-point. I pulled back a couple of points from the Hobgoblins so that I could build a 56-point hero Hobgoblin on the back of a wolf. Oh, cool. Literally a disposable hero. Uh, in fact, I'll probably start including more of those. That was actually cheaper than buying five wolves, and he does slightly better in combat. And he's still movement nine? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Those are handy. Yeah, he was great. <laughs> he was really useful. <laughs> so um, I was able to do a lot of shelling. I was able to do a lot of damage with all my tools at my disposal. Lore of Hashut's powerful. Mm-hmm. The one unusual thing he did before the game, uh, you know, we've got these abilities that you roll up before the game begins. His was to move two pieces of terrain once we've set up. Oh, that's handy. Very. So I had two buildings in front of my units. Oh. Uh, so my war machines couldn't shoot at the target that was the best target. They had to sort of shoot off to the side at something else. But making lemonade out of it, I was able to move my Infernal Guard into that building, and there they stayed the whole game, and that stubborn rule, pardon me, kind of helped me more than it hurt me. Uh, so I was able to take the building to stay there. And okay. now suddenly my wizard has 360 line of sight. Was the building kind of a centerpiece of the game? Was he assaulting it? He eventually had to assault it with a big block of Chosen. Ooh. And he was able to do a great deal of damage, but because I was uh, stubborn, not only stubborn, I mean, actually, I'm stubborn anyway. The BSB, uh, my he's called a Castellan. Mm-hmm. He's got stubborn built into his rules. Oh, nice. So, But I still, you know, the the Lord is level 10. Uh, the BSB's in there. So re-rollable 10 every turn. And I had, I think, 30 Chaos Warriors. Or, I mean, uh, Infernal Guard. They're pretty resolute. That's a lot of wounds to get through. Yeah, and my guys all have parry, so. Uh, now, did he take two Hell Cannons, or...? Um, how many hell cannons did he take? He took. No, he didn't take any in this particular battle. No, he took none. No, okay. uh, three big blocks of warriors. He had the the chicken man, mm-hmm. and um, the chosen, of course. The chosen were a big thing. <laughs> yeah, okay. So he had a very combat army. It was it was in my face very quickly. The thing was with my shells, with my artillery, I was able to take a lot of numbers down. Uh, the um, flames of Asgore spell from the lore of Hashut was able to just pick the... Oh, and the War Shrine. Mm. The War oh, Shrine. Yeah. Okay. And um, the Flames of Asgore is gold. It's just gold. Because if you can actually get the template to land where you want it to do, it's likely to kill anything outright. It uh, does a lot of damage. It does. It does. Is it, is it Strength 5 D3? Strength 6 D3. Oh, and the center is Initiative... Uh, is it tough? Toughness Test minus 2, or you die with no saves. Ugh. So whatever gets directly hit... And that's how I was able to take out the War Shrine. I was able to artillery shell the uh, big block of one of the units of uh, warriors. And then the Kadai Destroyer was able to finish that up. Ironically, oh, I forgot to mention he had knights. How many? Five. Um, The challenge there was that um, the War Shrine was able to give them, I think, a three-plus ward save. Oof. Yeah. Because there was inch. Okay. So so they charged into the flank of the... um, of the uh, of the Kadai destroyer, they have magic attacks, so they're wounding on a five. Two rounds of combats later, because I couldn't do enough wounds to get past their ward save, they were actually able to kill the Kadai destroyer. Wow, five so they, knights! They did it. Jeez. They, well, yeah, like three attacks each. Yeah. So they were able to do it, but um, the combination of some of my magic and eventually the train that I had was just shelling into the chosen, and because they kept grinding into my infernal guard, I was able to do wounds back. It was a winning combat for me, even though I was running out of guys, because then I just charged into the rear with my train. They have just failed a round of combat and broke. They rolled a nine, and I was able to... Oh, a critical roll for me was 
the rocket was able to shell into his um, his uh, his uh, Zim sorcerer on a disc. There was no there was no lookouts there problem. I know we've been debating about right. this until I know for sure, or until I play a tournament that makes it officially legal. I'm going to play it the other way just to avoid trouble. So a lookout sir would work as normal. I would say it would look under the standard rules. Even though I personally believe that the rules right now are fairly specific, I'm not going to play that way in a friendly game. Uh, in a tournament, I'm going to ask for the specific ruling. Okay. And if they say it's okay, I'm going to do it because I'm going to play with the sure. rules. But in a friendly game, I'm not going to force the issue. In this case, it was moot. He was by himself. He's on a disc. But it landed right on top of his head and kablamo. So I was able to snipe a few things, and the uh, the train was able to run over the Chosen. And uh, the BSB, when he charged into the building, my lord was there. And Chaos Warriors have to char- uh, challenge. It's one of the rules. Mm-hmm. They are, they're compelled to challenge. I accepted it with my lord. Uh, the BSB had a great weapon. So my lord just pulled out this vial of something called the Blood of Hashut, which is basically like a single vial of metal magic. Splashed it on him, did five wounds that he couldn't save any time. Wow. So, victory to the Chaos Dwarves. I hate that thing. It's just stupid. What's that? The Blood of Hashut? Yes. <laughs> it is. It's, 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 it's that metal magic spell. It's basically, it's kind of like a bound spell, except you don't even have to really roll for it, do you? It's it's like a vial. Um, it's a 20-point non-magic equipment. Yeah. Uh, so it's like buying a pistol. I, one use only. The rules are you need to hit on a 2+. plus. You forego all other attacks, and you do only this. You hit it on a 2, and then you roll for the number of hits. In this case, I rolled 5. And each, and then you rolled a wound based on their armor. So, so a two-up armor save. In this case, it, uh, two. two, yeah, yeah. and uh, any, and then no armor save, just like metal magic. Okay, and uh, that was Nasty. yeah, it gets brutal. I mean, if you got a ward save, you at least got something against Some it. Chance, but you're you're jumping into the volcano a little bit because I'm challenging a BSB of a chaos warrior. So if he doesn't die, I'm going to die next right. that turn. So it's all or nothing. But, uh, so that's a lot of pressure on that one D6 roll of how many Yes. Moves. First, I need to not roll a one, and then I need to roll hopefully more than two. <laughs> so there's no adverse effect. Like, if you roll that one, it doesn't, like, shatter on yourself or anything like that? No, we have plenty that of other rolls awesome. that are like that, though. Yeah, okay. then, it, then it's just I've wasted my attacks, and I've wasted 20 points. I see. Because it's not 100% cheap. It's a 20-point item. But that 20-point item has killed multiple... Hero level Great, characters, yeah. perfect yeah. for challenges. Taylor made it's the blood of a fire god. It's all <laughs> right. It's all right. Splash. So that was a bit long winded. Sorry, guys. That was my um, that was my oh, campaign so long winded. <laughs> Gee whiz, I gotta sit and listen every episode. I gotta listen to this guy. Do you believe this crap? Oh, I'm gonna throw something at you. Please don't. You'll break the equipment. <laughs> I'm not worried about me. It'll bounce off my robot and endoskeleton. See, you wanted a different. Um, what's the word I'm looking I'll for? I'll take Nickname? machine. That'll be a good one. I think robot's it, pal. Uh, no. It's not a secret if you pick it my name, fool. Who says it's going to be a secret? We all have nicknames in NW2. NW who? NW2. Yeah. Represent. <laughs> all you have to say is NW2. All right, you don't need to embellish. You're the one who went woo first. I thought, no, NW2. You just got to repeat it. Your nickname anyway. could be Embellish if you'd like. Or I'm Master not saying, I'm Engineer. Just saying. Or perhaps Announcer Guy from Garage Hammer. Or we could just call you Oi. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> call me Oi. <laughs> Any other games? This is my sidekick, Vey. No, I, no I, had no, 
I didn't have honestly. I had time to do bubkus. Um, bubkus means nothing, right? Yeah. Okay. Oh boy. So uh, you guys want to take a break and come back and talk about painting? Nah, we'll just leave. Let's go. Bye. Okay. <laughs> Signing off. <laughs> You've heard him on the show. You've seen his work on our website. He's Brian Steele, owner of Urza's Den. That's right, folks. Urza'sDen.com. Custom modeling, sculpting, and painting. You got a model you don't want to paint? Send it to Brian. You got an army you don't want to paint? Send it to Brian. You can't come up with an idea for a conversion? Give his ideas a try. Heck, you got an army list with models they don't even make? Brian's the man. Give him a call. Check him out at Urza'sDen.com. You won't be sorry. Hey folks, it's Dave, and I wanted to talk to you for a minute about Battle Foam. You've all heard me talk about it before. The foam is firm. It doesn't separate from the base. They custom cut, design, make any piece of foam you want to fit any model you want. Anytime a new army comes out, within days, you've got Battle Foam cut and designed to fit those models. This isn't a game company making cases on the side. This is a carrying case company making foam and custom carrying cases to protect your army. It's what they do. It's all they do. Check it out at BattleFoam.com. Battle Foam, protecting your army. We're back. Back, 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 back. Dave, at this speed, are we going to be able to pull out in time? (laughs) I always pull out in time. What about that tower? You worry about those fighters. I'll worry about the tower. (laughs) (laughs) Skip Stevenson. Sorry. You worry about those fighters. I'll worry about the tower. (laughs) Oh, speaking of which, I watched that this week, and I picked that up. I I bought it and came out. The Muppet Muppet Show? That's a good movie. Why are there so many songs about rainbows, Dave? The new Muppet movie? Is a hell of a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. Do you really think it's a hell of a lot of fun? I bet you it's just fun. I bet you hell had nothing to do with it. It doesn't. I mean, it it constantly references the fact that they're in a movie. Like, they even say it. An infernally good time. The the evil (laughs) plot unfolds, and they're like, Kermit, we need to... Kermit's like, I don't think we can. And the girl looks at him and goes, boy, if you can't, this is going to be a real short movie. I mean, Uh. it, it references the fact that it's a film throughout the film. It was... If you like the Muppets, and I love the Muppets, it was so much fun. No, I, I don't like the Muppets. I love the Muppets. <laughs> of course I like the Muppets. <laughs> it was a good movie. It was I, really I good. Have a, I, have a, I have a heart. I have a bloodstream. I it love the su- Muppets. I'm it alive. It was surprisingly good. Parts of it even choked me up a little bit. It was that good. Is that when Kermit came out and said, I will kill you? No, that, that kind of joke. That forced <laughs> choke. Forced choke. All right. All right, so we, we decided to talk about painting. Uh, a lot of other podcasts have actually been doing painting episodes recently, which is not kind yeah, of what inspired me. Work. Yeah. Uh, actually, Christopher and I had something else that we had sort of planned, and that kind of got smashed. We were planning on doing this episode like after Adepticon. Like, okay. This was like going to be a fill episode. And then what we had planned to do this, we kind of fell through. And I said, well, let's just talk painting. We'll get Chris Yu. Uh, one of the reasons I thought it would be fun is because the three of us have very different painting styles. Uh, Chris, Christopher, you have, I mean, I am not a mass painter. I've never been a mass painter. Uh, the part stuff of the, you do is gorgeous. The stuff I do is good. I'm not, I'm not, demon, I'm not golden demon. I'm nowhere near that. When I do, when I can, when I actually focus on a model, I'm very happy with the result. The problem is, well, for example, I've got these hobgoblins and two of them are looking very nice. And then I've got 38 like them that I don't want to touch. Well, I, what I find interesting though is Chris has, Christopher's style is, and he does, you know, and I know we've joked around before. He's got the goblin green bases, and he's got these really nicely done 
Chaos Dwarfs that look like the old fifth edition book Chaos Dwarfs. There's no, I mean, they're clean. It's a nice solid shade of red. Well, that's, that's that army, with, yeah. Yeah, with the hand, with the with the hand uh, hand painted hand designed shields. Yeah, each there's a motif of the cracked skull, and I wanted each shield to look like each family dwarf would take it home and paint it in their own way with the same style, but each one looks slightly different. Yeah, so uh, but Which you've I got a really was a cool idea. That so. was cool. Yeah. You have a you really very heraldry. Yeah. yeah, so you can yep. see that they all had the same idea, but each one is different in its own way. Just, uh, the, the idea of like a chaos dwarf's family is kind of comical <laughs> to me. <laughs> well, whatever. I don't know dwarf women, but <laughs> <laughs> master engineer, welcome to the fold. No, that was from Lord of the Rings oh, when okay. Gimli says, "People think that I don't know dwarf," oh, and then gotcha. Legolas oh. goes, "It's the or not Legolas, Aragorn goes, it's the beards." Oh, yeah, they wrote in that little. Nobody likes a dwarf. Oh wait, it's. Tosses, sorry. Nobody tosses the dwarf. Yeah. Um, no one panicked. That was you, deliberate. You have a very... <laughs> that was deliberate. That was deliberate. <laughs> uh, but you have a very... And I don't want to say it's cartoony, but it's a very clean, bright, primary color sort of style. In, at least the colors in that are very vivid. And it jumps for, off the table. For, yes. for the Chaos Dwarves, absolutely. Yes. It really does depend on what I'm painting. Um, for some of my older models, I think that... I had an old Keeper of Secrets, which was a metal one, much smaller. It was on a 40 uh-huh. by 40. And as much as a four-armed cow thing with, you know, clipper hands can look realistic, that one looked more bestial and realistic. Mm-hmm. For the Chaos Dwarves, I, yeah, I wanted bright primary. The idea that they would be dirty didn't make sense at the time. Yeah. Now, with your new models that you have, what kind of color scheme do you envision for them? For the Fireglaive guys, uh, probably grayish metal. I, I, mm-hmm. I think that, yeah, the red will still be part of the motif. But I think it'll be muted or deeper. Uh, okay, you should check out um, black and red. Still, is I would say the primary color scheme for those guys. That being the case, if you check out Ben Curry's Twitter, I he, saw it. Oh, did you? Mm-hmm. Okay, what'd you think of those? So far, so good. I think he's still it's still a work in progress. But of course, he's a talented painter. So oh yeah, yeah. They, those they look pretty good. Though. Yeah. yeah, but like I said, I've been watching yours, and yours is yours is very yours is very clean, but it's also very sharp, very crisp, very nice. I stay in the lines. Um, yeah. it, and you you yeah, like you just said you you paint very slowly. Very slowly. Well, you part of the problem for me is, the time. admittedly, I don't enjoy the hobby that much. Uh, for me, painting is a tedium. Sometimes I really get into the mode, and other times it just makes me want to blow my brains out, and I just do something else. See, now, so you, you, you're you going to take, I mean, you take literally, you know, you might take years to finish your army, literally. My, my idea mean, of painting an army is finishing a Blood Bowl team, and I'm like, okay, good, good, I don't have to do that ever again. An entire army of Warhammer for me is exhaustive. Now, see, and I will sit down, and if I have the time, I could do an army and or a good portion of an army in a week. You know, but I mean, but I mean, that's I'm sort of a lazy painter in a way. Um, I I like that sort of a dirty look to my army, um, not sloppy, but I I weathered. Uh, and and I where you look at forty hobgoblins and think. Ugh, I look at that and say, I wonder how quickly I can get through that and make them look, you know, table worthy. And I, and I like I said, I'm like, I, and you've said it before, I'm like a machine though. I really will sit down and just be like, boom, boom. I mean, I sat there and painted 180 loincloths on zombies <laughs> one day, just zombie, zombie, zombie. Like, duh, 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 duh. My I, problem is I don't know where to stop. If I look at a hobgoblin and I start painting him. He still has eyes. He still has eyebrows. He still has individual teeth, and I'm going to get them all. I, I, and we can get to that. I, my system is, I go a little bit simpler with that. I, eventually, I know I got to get back and do the faces, but I'm, you know, we'll, we'll we'll talk more about it. But I will, I, I do assembly line them, and sometimes you got to break them down into smaller chunks mm-hmm. in your assembly line. 
but sometimes, like I said, I had that I had that weekend, uh, and I sat down and washed 180 models in two hours, and went back after I did the wash, the three different colored washes and the zombies, and I went back, and it, I was by the seriously, even even me, 180 zombie loincloths from the Mantic Zombies. After about three, it, was, it took me about four hours to do them all. Three, yeah, three to four hours to do them all. Th- that last thirty was tough. That last thirty was hard that's, to do. That's a lot of zombie crotches. But I got them done. You know, <laughs> they had to get done, and I got them done. Now, Chris, you, your style, your stuff looks really good, really realistic. You will oh, sit thanks. and work for a week or two on one unit, but mm. damn, it's like you will pound through that unit the way I pound through that unit. But you will go back a seventh, an eighth, a ninth layer, a ninth color, and get. I mean, I, I look at your high up yeah, in your yeah. orc army, and I, I'm amazed at some of the things that you're able to pull off. Well, thank you. Thank, you know, a lot. It's a continual uh, learning curve. Every time I go to a tournament or I listen to certain podcasts and hear of a new technique. Uh, but the best is seeing m- other models up close and in person. There's nothing that will inspire you like it. But yeah, and learning kind of how they did it, and talking talking to those people, uh, and picking up new techniques. So it's a constant learning process for me. Yeah. I mean, because I actually got into this hobby because, like I said, I've said it earlier on the show, Heather got sick of me playing Xbox and you need to think of something else to do. And I saw the Minds of Moria set for Lord of the Rings. I like, I would like to paint those models. And I bought it, not even knowing if the game was any good, not caring. I just wanted to paint the models. If the game wound up being good, that'd be cool. And then, then Christopher came over and said, look, I picked up this game and I'm, I've been painting the models, but we had to give it a shot. And he's like, well, if we're going to do that, we should play Warhammer. That changes your world forever. Yeah, it did. <laughs> Much to my, and I remember Heather looking at me, and I'm like, well, I just spent $90 on this game. So, well, if everyone else is playing that game, it's, you know, really, you go go ahead and get an army for that I, game. I must say, that is, that is a pretty cool wife if she just says, you just spent this money on that, but if you want this, uh, okay. Well, she's, you know. <laughs> I don't was, think I had, would have the, the green light to do that. Well, uh, I mean, it was my money. She's like, you, you know, it's going to come out of your, your allowance, your stuff, but. Yeah, she was just happy that I wasn't sitting in the basement playing Xbox. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now? Now she's not happy that I'm... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You and your dumb show and all that other <laughs> stuff piling up in the basement. God damn. Every time she comes down here and sees the wall of models, she just, like, shakes her head. But that's how I got into it. And um, so, I actually, I kind of wrote down a little bit of notes here. And I, I wanted to just talk about sort of almost like our definition of painting. Because I think we all sort of... We all have an idea of what standard we'd like to paint to. Now, obviously, we're not... I mean, I'm not trying to paint Golden Demon stuff. I don't think any of us are. But I think we're all at least strive to be... I mean, everyone talks to about... our best. Well, everyone talks about, you know, your three-color, your table, your tournament standard. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've had this discussion before, especially since most tournaments want you to have painted armies. In fact, when we were talking in that episode where I was talking about my idea of having an you know, where you don't have to have it painted, but you can't win any prizes because the paint score is worth so much, which I thought was interesting because I, some people thought it was cool. A lot of people were like, no, I want to play painted armies. Um, and some of the reactions that I had seen recently, because I know Brawler Bash, you don't have to have your army fully painted. Mm-hmm. You oh, get, really? You, you get credit. You get some credit if it's at least 75% of it's painted. But if you came with, but it says on the rules, if your army's not painted, at least you cannot win any of the major prizes. You can win the door prizes, but you cannot the the major awards you cannot oh, win. So it's not required, but but it can't you, win if you don't oh, yeah, I see. Okay. Which was kind of what I had talked about before, you know, letting people in who maybe have a new army or maybe are new to the hobby and don't have everything done but they want to play and they're saying, "Yes, please come play." Now, 
it's interesting because I remember when I was listening to Wisco Dice and I'd been seeing some stuff on the forums. I mean, people literally said, you know, hey, if I'm paying money, I don't want to play against plastic. Plastic. Uh, I've heard people go so far as to say I'd be insulted to sit a, you know, across an army. I think I heard that too. Who said that? Was I, it Wisco Dice? Yeah, he literally okay. said that. And he said if he went and saw someone with uh, Black Primer Army or just a gray plastic models across from him, that they would get us their sports. They would be marked to the lowest. He would mark down their sportsmanship because if you're not going to take the time to paint your army and you don't care, that's insulting to him who's spending a lot of money to go somewhere and spend a weekend to play in a tournament. He wants to see plastic. Uh, he wants it to see seems a little heavy-handed, but I guess that's up to him. Well, I mean, yeah, and it, well, I mean, but I, the, the reactions go to that extreme. I, I kind of thought that was a bit of an extreme myself too. But hey, you know, but I mean, honestly, but if that's how he feels, I'm not saying he's wrong. But he yeah, said, he's entitled to that. He would be insulted to come and sit I, I across. See, I see what he's saying. Hurt. I think I think maybe maybe that reaction is a bit heavy, but yeah, I, I get it. I mean, th- I understand his argument. It's like, well, if we're going to go through all this effort. Then maybe the army should be painted, right? But now, and but that's that's the old debate. I right. mean, I don't think we need to defend no, no, no. tournaments and painting scores. Um, but I thought what was interesting is what do we consider? Because I know they talk about a three color standard or three color table. When they say tabletop standard, one of the things I had mentioned was, well, Christopher said, well, if I want to come in and I want to win, and when we were talking about my my idea to make the paint score really high, mm-hmm. Chris is fine. I have black primer and I put a dot of red and I put a dot of blue and there's red that's black three blue. colors, but. Yes, that is three colors, but is, I guess my question would be, I would look at that and say it's not painted. You could tell me I got three colors, but that is not three-color table standard. There's, I mean, when we talk about a tournament standard, a table standard. I, th- I think what people want is they want something that on the casual glance will allow you, if you wish, to suspend your disbelief and imagine that there's an army on the table. Exactly, and that's the standard. So saying I can just put three, I could just slap three colors, three dots on them, you know, here's a slap of red, here's a slap of green, here's a slap of blue. That's have you, three have colors. you ever seen that? No, I've never seen anyone do it. I've never seen it either. And everyone has says, well, I could just do this, but I but don't no think... No one does it, because they are going to be the eternal butt of jokes if oh, they show up with mm-hmm. that army. Mm-hmm. No kidding. Uh, really, this is three colors. I get points, right? Because I would look at you, if I was running a tournament, I'd be like, no, you're not getting points. Well, why not? It's three colors. Are you really, really... Are you going to rules lawyer me? Uh, you know, you know, if if someone showed up at blood, to Blood and Sun with that kind of army, I think we'd award we'd award them the, the points, but they're opening themselves up for yeah eternal ridicule. Well, they'd get the minimum maximum score for what? I mean, right? They, yeah, they, yeah, yeah. You know, but for, for uh, three color minimum, you get twelve points, and you get exactly twelve points. Right. So here's my other question: Have you painted? I I mean, I've only I mean, I've painted models from ten different armies, like one or two models here and there. I've only got two painted armies, my vampires and my dwarfs. And ain't a model in there that only has three colors on it. I mean, if you want to paint it to a decent, a decent, I mean, do you have any models that have only three colors on them? No. I don't have a single, mo- even my even my Iron Breakers, they've got. Even my Rushed Chaos Dwarves, the ones that are far from done, have at least black, red, flesh, some sort of bronze or metal. I mean, there's, you know, there's yeah. more to it. There's more to it. I mean, my Iron Breakers who are wearing all mithril armor. I got them with mithril. I got some gold. I got some. I got some beard. Some I shading. Got some, and, yeah. yeah. I mean, yep. so I mean, three color minimum. I mean, is almost. I think that's kind of a general, kind of generic. They they basically want to see you know you at least you got some skin effort. some clothes some something but I I've never painted a model only in three colors I mean so when I think of a, a of a tabletop standard I want it to look like like Chris said at least at a glance mm-hmm. it looked kind of realistic I don't care if you don't paint your eyeballs I got to be a hundred percent honest with you 
if you don't have the skill or the time or you just can't get, you know, because if you're going to put the eyeballs on and they're going to look like giant rounds, <laughs> like, like I've the Mesopotamians. Tried, well, yeah, like the Mesopotamian sculptures where I can't get it inside between those little, you know, the top, the eyelids. Mm-hmm. So I'm painting over, you know, it's going outside of the actual See, sculpt. It's, it's funny because that's the part I enjoy. Well, I mean, mm-hmm. but what I'm saying is the small stuff. I like the little detail work. Precision. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I, I, exactly. I like the precision work. The the media uh, the the tedium stuff makes me nuts. But if you can't do it, now Harrison's gone to bed and he doesn't actually listen to the show after he hears me editing it and hears it. He can't get the eye. He can't get the white and the black inside the little eye slit for the elves. When he does it, it goes winds up going outside sure. of it, and it looks like big googly cartoon eyes, and he gets frustrated. I tell well, him, at his age, I can't expect that he would be able to do it. Well, it's uh, not that he's right. incompetent; it's that he's so young well, that he doesn't is, have the motor control. Nah, he's almost twelve. I mean, when we went, when we went, to, but I mean, you don't you don't see the that's a physical peak kind of thing. You're not going to see that until like seventeen, eighteen years old when you you can control your breath, hold your will, breath, well, embrace yourself. I will challenge you on that only because when we went to Games Day, he looked at the young bloods, which is the thirteen and under, and there were kids who had painted eyeballs in the thirteen and under category. Well, I, I can't speak to those kids. <laughs> and well, exactly. But I'm saying I know it can be done. And Harrison looks at that and he's like, I really want to be able to do that. And for, I told him, don't paint the goddamn eyeballs. Just paint the flesh tones. Get. Well, Get some your technique s- down. Don't s- worry about that some yet. adults though. Yeah. Make their kids. Uh, what is it called? Pine Ridge Derby. Oh, the Derby. Yeah, I mean, yeah. even though it's supposed to be the kids only and not the dads at all, it's usually the dads. Well, I don't want to take anything away from the kids either. I mean, if the kid can paint eyeballs, the kid can paint eyeballs. Harrison gets frustrated, and and so and I think that's one of the reasons he likes War Machine. It's because he can paint the jacks, and it's really big stuff. No eyeballs. And exactly. <laughs> no eyeballs. The, the, the super ultra-fine detail, like you can put it in, but it's not necessary. I mean, he's painting big swaths of red metal mm-hmm. next to silver metal. Here's the advice I would give to Harrison. Maybe you've already give it to him, given it to him. I don't know. Is once he dots that eye and he goes outside of that that eye slit uh-huh. that's okay it happens all the time even me go back and paint go them. and retouch it it's, it's all how many how many uh, times do you want to go and repaint mistakes yeah it ends up being a, a better product in the end cleanup is a part of painting the model right yeah especially so, when you're doing freehand I can't tell you the number of times I said oh nuts and just <laughs> and to redo it and that being the case watered down paint is also key that's well once we get to it watered down paint is my style that's what I do. So yeah, he's been working on that too, and he he he's, he found the the beauty of the uh, GW the uh, foundation paints. He took that foundation red and was able to you know oh my god now my then when he puts on the regular Kador red over the foundation red uh, he's like comes up real vibrant yeah now he's like oh dad this is I mean he's it's so fun to watch the the little huzzah moments mm-hmm. with him moments the little of discovery exactly. Yeah. Um, here's a question. Is primer a color? No. Well, it depends. Are we talking about white primer? Because it really doesn't It doesn't replace white. If we're talking about black primer, if you need something black, if it looks good enough, I mean, straight black, you're going to do something to it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you could use it as a base coat, I suppose, if it's solid, if it's a clean coat. Okay. But... You probably want to put a regular paint over it. I mean, it's a different medium. It's a different. Well, I guess I'm just saying, like, if you're painting something that's got a lot. Well, here, here's my example. All of this under the green wash. You got to describe it to the listeners. Uh, I'm holding up my mortise engine. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the ghost, the ethereal ghost. That's white primer with green washes over the white primer. But everywhere where you see white is white. It's I just did, primer. I did not put white paint. Uh, now I went over some of the highlighted edges. 
but it was white primer with several layers of the green wash. I think it depends on the model and the style that you're going for. Yeah. Sometimes you can get get away with it. I think in that ethereal case, you can get away with it. But when you spray on the primer, I find this, the coat is so uneven. You still uh-huh. see some primer, metal or green stuff still showing primer through. Has a, primer has a use. It's there to make paint adhere to it. Right. And paint doesn't stick normally to plastic. It'll bead. True. So, well, I guess well part of it is now I've been using my airbrush to prime, and I get the Vallejo, the gray primer is what I've been using because it's the airbrush primer. But I've been using the white primer, their Vallejo white primer in the bottle. Just water it a little bit, put it in the airbrush. It's coming out beautiful, freaking even. And my skeletons, which you guys have seen and you've played against, that's white primer, and then I painted all the other parts, and then I dipped over it. And I think the, nobody can tell. In that case, the dip is the key because it's that extra layer of protection uh-huh. that you're missing when you go straight from primer to wash. Yeah, okay. Because uh, I used to do everything in black primer, mm-hmm. especially like when I started with the dwarfs because they had all the chain mail. And so I do black primer, and then I would dry brush over the chain mail, and then all the black recesses would just be black. Sure. And, and I, count. I, think, I think the answer to your question in regards to primer in this particular subject, uh-huh. the ends justify the means. If you got away with it, it's fine. I get, okay. I'm not saying that you should just white primer your high elves and say, look, they're all wearing white. I'm just going to paint the blue and leave them. If, if nobody can tell that it's primer... Then it works. I guess that and if, yeah. and if you can, then there's a big problem because then it just looks like you're not remotely done. Right. Yeah. I guess that. I guess that's what I mean. Is I, get, I think it's hard to tell the difference between sometimes between, you know, if I'm spraying it, like a, if you look at my doors, can you tell the difference between the parts that were black primer, the parts I went back and went a little too far and touched up with black paint, and in those recessy shadow parts, I don't know that you can tell. No, the I, I, well, the primer is not meant to do like a hundred percent coat. There are going to be some spots that. Are bare. Well, do you do a hundred percent coat, or do you have some? I do it by hand. So for me, usually the answer is I cover everything. For me, the whole thing is a slow process, which which includes the priming. So I like to look at every square inch of the model and make my decisions on paint there and then. Yeah, you hand brush on primer, which I think that's. I think you are an exception. Well, I live. I don't have a. You know, I don't. I don't like the spray cans. Right. Um, you know, half the year where it's cold, and I'm not right. going to do it in my house. <laughs> that's so true. I just, I just, just assume paint it on when I can. Hmm. I just like it more. Because yeah, that's and what I've ruined models from using those stinking cans where they go. Like it's all fuzzy, all, and they all yeah. have measles. Yeah. Now I have had it where sometimes they get a little spotty when you're when you're painting because it doesn't. But I, I've also heard people say that they don't worry about covering every square centimeter of mm-hmm. the plastic because. Once you paint it, it's enough to hold it on in most places, and then you throw the varnish or the art coat or whatever yeah, yeah, over right. it. It's going to stay. Now, has anybody ever primed on the sprue? No. I have not. Okay. Uh, I did it this one time because it was driving me nuts. You're holding up a terrorgeist. I, I bought this terrorgeist, and it has to be paint. I, I'm looking at it and at the assembly, and I need to paint this in parts. The problem is... If I cut all the parts off the sprue and then prime them all, I will never know how to put this thing together because it's one of those by-the-number things. Okay. So I actually just took the two sprues and white primer sprayed There's nothing the wrong sprues. With that. I think this, you can get away with that. Now, I know that when I cut the parts off and glue them together, I'm going to have to check them very carefully and go in with a brush and touch up any spots where there is no primer. But uh, I, I, although I wouldn't suggest it, I would just 
curious. I thought this was because I've never done this before, and man, did I feel stupid doing <laughs> it. Harrison's like, what are you doing? I'm holding up the entire sprue and just got the airbrush, and I'm just white primer spraying the entire Terror Geist uh, because... Uh, the only thing I would worry about is when you go to clip them off and clean off any flash. Uh-huh. You're going to get a lot of That's the issue that I would have a problem with off. because it's on the sprue, and unless you've managed to clean off all the flash and the mold lines while it's still on the sprue, you're going to have to deal with that afterwards. Well, I know I'm going to have to go back and touch. I know I'm going to have to go back and touch those parts up. I, I realize this isn't a foolproof, but this way I can build it in parts, touch it up, and then paint well, the part. What I mean is if there are mold lines you have to clean, you're going to have whole strips where you're going to have to go on with the razor and just scrape off. Yeah, yeah, and I'll have to repaint them. I'll have to reprime that. I'll have to but if, you, have, on the if you know, you know I've got the paint pots of primer, so you could always borrow it. Well, and like I said, the Vallejo stuff, the primers in the in the, in the the regular yep. jar, so I'm, yeah, I mean, I don't use spray cans of primer almost ever anymore. It's just, they're kind of expensive. I mean, you could... I guess it's a good conversation. What kind of spray? Uh, you use brush on primer. Where do you even? What do you use? Um, there's a there's a dropper bottle. I think that is that Vallejo or is yeah that, Vallejo. I just That's, use theirs. Okay, yeah, and I like their white primer. And I use their, white almost exclusively white. I don't use black or gray. I, I don't know white. if they have. I didn't. I don't know if they. I didn't. Well, they've got to have it, but I didn't see a black primer on their list when I was going through the little case at UGG. And the gray stuff is just their airbrush stuff. And the only reason they started using the gray was because it's for airbrush. And it is nice and neutral. You can go up or down from there. Mm -hmm. But once I started air using the airbrush and I realized I could... Once I started getting good with the airbrush and I realized exactly how much water I would add to their white primer to make it work, mm -hmm. I've been priming with this entire VC Army white. Now, what about you guys? I mean, uh, besides the fact w whether or not you use air or can, I use whites and for a specific reason. What do you guys use? Go ahead, Chris. Uh, back in the day, I, I did all black. Okay. And the the final output was too dark. All the colors were very dark. That's specifically why I chose with white. You mm -hmm. can always darken it with a metal or with a black paint, but okay. I always feel like I can get more detail and it's brighter and cleaner with white. Yeah, so I, I have also progressed to white as okay. well. Okay. Uh, I started with black. I liked black. I still think if I'm painting something that has a lot of chain mail on it, mm -hmm. I would probably just go with black. Sure, it saves time. Because it not just saves time, but if I go with white, I'm going to have to paint over that spot in black anyway to get all those recesses filled in in dark so that I can go over the chain mail so that you got all those little black gaps in it. Mm -hmm. So, like, for my dwarfs and things like that, I would still use black. Mm. I find gray to be fine, although you guys talk... Actually, when uh, when Brad Pascal was here talking, he's like, white primer your skeleton, stupid. <laughs> I'm like, he's like, your black primer, then you're painting your dry brush. I went with the dark... So that the recess would be dark, and then I was dry brushing on the white bone. Sure, right, makes sense. And then he's like, "No, he goes, do it in white. Add a couple of uh, of layers of 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 wash, and uh, and then highlight it again with the bleached bone and the white." And so, well, it's just two different approaches. One is yeah. using the wash to achieve the recesses versus dry brushing to leave the black there as the recess. Right. right? So it's the same. I kind of just two different approaches. I, I've done them. I've actually done them both ways, and I've come to like the white better because when you do the washes, you're you, you're not using blackness or using mud or sepia. You have more control too when you are using a wash to create those dark areas. Yes, you can control where they go. I mean, yeah. to a limited extent, it's wet and it's going to spill everywhere, but you still can mop up and force those those recesses where you want them. Yeah, and by being able to pick the colors as well. It's not just black in the recesses. It's not, I mean, so mm -hmm. it's it's it, it, it's a little cartoony when it's solid black in between each bone, but when it's 
using either a Devlin mud or a grit, uh, the sepia, mm-hmm. or even adding a little touch of green, mixing up the two washes, adding a little green to it. Because some of it does stay on the outside of it. It doesn't all go into the recesses. So it, col- it tints the model in addition to it, right. gives yeah. it. Well, it gives it a bit of, uh, it looks a little dirty. Right. You, Depending it, on what you yeah. want. If you want the bleach sort of, uh, what are they called, the Tomb Kings, you might go with a more. With the Tomb Kings, I might go with the black with the white over it, that, that stark black and white, right. that completely sun-bleached white bone. But with the but VC you, yeah. crawling out of the dirt, I like the filthy. You want them to look like they've got. Grave dirt on them. Exactly. I, I feel like excessive dry brushing is a technique from like the early to mid nineties. Yeah, yeah. Dry brushing feels a little moded, dated, outdated. I, good for good for certain items. Good for uh, what like would I use it for? Metal armor. Yeah, that sort of yeah. thing. I used kind of uh, a or, bit or of stones, it on painting stones to look like stones. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, you, I used the uh, GW. The, the GW had a master class thing on how to paint the mortise engine, and there was a lot of dry brushing parts on that. Uh, that's interesting that you bring it up because that was one of the first techniques I learned. Dry brushing? Dry brushing. It's a great start. Because it what is. it does is it's like, ooh, I have power. I know how to make this look better than it was before. And then you just kind of develop from there. Mm-hmm. I think the first thing I had to learn and understand when painting models, and it's so funny because like, like I'll have family members come by and they'll be like, oh my God, this must be, and everyone says it, and I even said it, when I, this must be so hard. And I'm looking at some of my early dwarf models that I'm looking at going, God, that looks like crap. And they're like, this is amazing. This must have been so hard. And I think one of the first things I had to learn was, because I came from a, I, and I went to art school, I came from a drawing background and painting oil on a canvas. Where you start with the very general, you know, you paint your scene of all the general, and then you slowly move in to the smaller to the details, specifics. to the specifics, um, and the small details, the things inside the window, the thing behind this, the behind, you you know, you go into the, with the, with painting miniatures, it's the exact opposite. You got to get that thing in the, you know, you want to go in there and get the, 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 the stuff that's hard to get to, the small detail in the back part first. Because really, do you think that's the case? I think I thought it still applies. It goes general to specific. At you, least in my experience, I mean, with your highlights and stuff, yes. But especially like when I was painting dwarfs, there are parts that are just impossible. You the, know those specific, hard to reach details. Dave, what you're talking about is uh, your painting technique in general, and maybe uh-huh. this is a, a good time to transition into that exact conversation. Like, okay, let's talk about how we paint our miniatures, and you're sort of getting into it now. So why don't you keep going, and we can compare it to the way we paint our miniatures. Well, I think when I first started, especially with dwarves, it was like you, they, they were like, okay, go in and paint that face first. Get the flesh tones and highlights on the face because it's so recessed in the, and that's the part that's going to get the detail. Because there's the armor and stuff around it, the yeah, mask. Yeah, the thick beard, the masks, the armor, that if I go in to paint that last, I'm going to slop all around, even if I'm, you, you know, especially as a beginning painter, if you're a beginning painter. Getting that brush in there past all the armor you just worked so hard on and the mm-hmm. beard and all that. That face is so recessed in a dwarf face if you look at it. Um, that to, to, to get I, that I and paint it nicely. Sure. I got the same problem with it. Yeah, to works. get in there and paint that part nicely without ruining all the stuff you did and then having to go back and redo it. When I was at the GW, when I was first learning this, that, that's how they taught me. They said, no, no, no. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, in fact, one of the things that I've learned, and I've still kind of do this, I did it with, uh, I do it a lot with my zombies and stuff. Find the main color, and I did the whole. I just do most, most, if not all the whole, if not all of the model in that color. You know, a nice thin layer of initial base coat. Yeah, initial base coat of rotting flesh and the whole thing. Then go over it. Yep. 
Um, but yeah, I would do the dwarf faces first, the dark flesh, and then come in with some highlights of the lighter flesh on the edges. Because getting past the beard and getting past the the helmet and getting past all those parts to get to it. So I did go from the and then the stuff that's on the outside, the easy stuff to get at, the chain mail, mm. the shields, the the hands that you can all go to do that later. Uh, mm. and it's it's weird. I go from the specific to the general, then back to the specific because that's when you're, you're going to go back and highlight and touch up. Okay. But I found just getting that that part that's hard to get to first. Because otherwise, I'm going to paint the whole exterior, get to that interior part, and no matter how hard I'm and how thin I'm holding that brush, it's going to touch the edge. It's like playing operation. I'm going to touch mm-hmm. that damn side and make it buzz. I don't want to have to go back in and paint that part a second time. So, is your let's see, if you have a rank and file dwarf warrior, is it a primed model with a, a flesh colored face? Is that the first step then that yeah, you've taken? When I uh, and it yeah, I'll I will have a, a bunch of dwarf warriors and they're primed black because of all the armor, mm-hmm. and I'll go in with that the the, the darker flesh, thin it out and just kind of and just not worry about getting it on the helmet or not worried about getting it on the beard. Get it in there, touch up, highlight all the bits of the face, get the face kind of nice. And then, because then I can do the beard. I can I can go up to that edge. Like I can paint in the line and get up to the edge without going over it. But it's getting into that. It's it's you getting know getting into the recesses. Mm-hmm. Getting okay. into that deep recess was. I found that at least as a beginning painter, I found it very difficult. Now when the when the next dwarf book comes out, hopefully sometime next year. It seems like it's not going to come out till next year probably. I'll get some new models. Maybe my technique has changed. But I found I'm sure at, at least for that. That's kind of where I had to paint it. Um, I found the same thing even with like like with the mortise engine. I went will try to get on the inside parts first, the hard to get to parts because I didn't want to paint the outside. And then as I'm trying to get to the hard to reach spots, start like you said. You know when you do the eyes, if you go over outside with the eyes, Repainting. you can go back and touch right. up. But so are you trying to avoid the mm-hmm. touching up? Uh, well, I mean, I don't want to have to go back and redo everything a second time. I would almost want, in fact, when I was talking to one of the guys at Games Day, who was they had those golden demon painters who were just sitting around painting. He's like, he showed me. He's like, his technique is to paint those eyes first, mm-hmm. and how he paints, and because he knows he's going to go outside, he's going to paint basically, almost paint a whole eyeball where it would go if there was no skin, and then paint, paint over the with where the eyelids go. And then the eyeball's perfect because this is where the eyeball would be, and he doesn't worry about going over, starting in that deepest recess and then coming outward. I definitely don't do it that way. That's interesting. Yeah, I yeah, do. It was, I do a lot of eyeballs are close to last for me. Eyeballs are almost certainly last for me. Yeah, but. he went in, and I mean, he's painted the other part. But when he gets to that face, he does it first. He knows he's going to go outside. Mm-hmm. So this is where he and he shows this is exactly where the where the pupil's going to go. So that it's like half the pupils in there, cut off by this part, cut off there. He shows, he goes, this is where it's going to be. So paint it there, and then it's easy to go over the eyelids later, and then suddenly it cuts it all out. It was really interesting. It was, I mean, maybe maybe that's an odd technique that not yeah, a lot well, of people you have to use. Do what's uh, what works for you? I mean, it certainly has worked for you to this point. I, I, my tech, my approach is a little bit different in that, let's say for example, the sword masters that I painted mm-hmm. once primed, I, I took a big brush and painted the whole thing silver. Not the whole, not top to bottom, a hundred percent, but the large armor plate areas. Right. Um, then did a wash, and then started selecting out uh, like the face parts, different parts that were blue, mm-hmm. doing sections. Okay. Time. But the, the silver was the the big 
like main initial coat. Okay, so but that, that's similar kind of to what I've been doing too. Um, I mean, obviously with the dwarfs is the exception because they do those faces, but like with the skeletons, with the zombies, get that. What's what's the color that's the, mostly the on the model? Cover, right. Boom, pl- throw that on, and then start picking pieces out. Mm-hmm. Something that I also do. Uh, it's similar in terms of what you guys are talking about, choosing an order when you paint your m- models. One of the things I'll do is I'll look for something that I think is going to pose the most uh, difficulty for the rest of the model, something that is like the, the dirtiest technique, and I'll have to do that first. If I have to do a dry brushing technique uh, of armor on a model, which is usually like if I want to dry brush it on so that it's very matte and very sort of right buffed, it's it's a filthy technique because you're going to get like paint everywhere. It's just, just a right, right. It's going to get out so of the spots. So there's just no way to control it. So I'm going to do that first, and then I'll probably mm-hmm. do faces and hair and details and everything after that. Now the problem is if I spill on that, cleanup is hard. Yeah, I, I guess I yeah I would agree. In fact, uh, when I was that, doing my dwarfs outside of the face, that was you know you'd go to those armor bits and just yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's a messy go. process. Yeah. yeah. So I would do that, and then I would start with everything else. And at that point, you know, I go from the easiest techniques, and I have to, okay, here's the next one. I'm going to hold my breath for this one, because if I mess up, it's a lot of cleanup. Now, before even that, before we even really start painting, though, we've got to choose our colors. Now, everybody, I mean, my favorite color is green, and it shows up in most of my armies. My dwarves have a lot of earth tones with green. I, I shoot the red in my vampires to go with a the green theme. Um, I try to keep it to three or four main colors and that's really it i mean i you you can go to shades and variations but i try to keep a a, a rather simple palette to keep my army unified, unified. i guess yep. what about you guys i think probably the most common color i've been using in multiple different armies would be probably red okay i like red and black but um i'll use whatever i mean i've had i've had more armies and more games than just warhammer uh, it just depends on. The but if you're going with a specific army, if you think about an army you paint, uh, how many? I mean, obviously, I might use fifteen, twenty, thirty different colors. But as far as main colors, I try to keep a palette of about four to five main. If I'm painting to unify my army, you uh, know what I'm saying? It depends. It depends. I mean, with the cast wars, it's easy because red is going to be in there somewhere and black is going to be in there somewhere. It just right. seems like the, the appropriate colors. Sure, fire and shadow. You know, hmm. uh, when I was playing. Dark it. Well, I still haven't really painted my dark elves, although white and red for those guys. Okay. Um, yeah. I, what I'll do is like if I've got a particular block that I want to paint, I'm going to pull out all the paints that I think are going to be appropriate. So I'll have probably a pile of like ten different pots of paint that'll you know okay. of, of which the main ones like for my chaos doors, black and red are going to be front and center, flesh color, boots, leather, metal, metal, yeah. brass or bronze or. So if you're writing or designing an army, you're not thinking. You're not thinking of I'm going to go with this color scheme run through my army. I'm not picking a. Pa- you don't pick a palette for that army. I don't think a. I don't think in terms of a unifying color for the whole thing. Okay. I mean, usually the army is unifiable enough. I will probably try and steer in that direction. In the case of the chaos dwarves, they're likely all to have red and black on there somewhere. Okay. The more elite units, you're probably going to see more noble colors, either purple, which is regal, mm-hmm. or gold, which is obviously the same. Something like that. I, I mean, guess I've got that. Reading those, like the Adepticon and a lot of these paint, when you're getting scored in tournaments, I don't even play that many tournaments, but I keep saying, oh, does it have a unified color scheme or a unified theme running through it? Even, right? Does it look different? Even yeah, more than a, a color is really good for the whole army, but that's almost where the base comes into play. Mm-hmm. You know, if they're all standing on winter scenes. Well, what about you, Chris? Because I know you're. I mean, your high elf army 
I mean, it's got the white with the blue, which is a kind of a standard. But mm-hmm. your orc and goblin army, I mean, they've really a lot of orange. Yeah, I, you, I similar to you, Chris. I I try to go with one or two dominant colors. Mm-hmm. And it used to, with the Hiles, it is blue and white. And I'm so sick of painting blue, by the way. And horses. So, <laughs> uh, so Orcs and Goblins was a nice change because it's all green and orange. That's uh-huh. got to be fun to paint the, the green flesh. That's so different. It, it is fun, but I find I'm right now kind of getting sick of that, too. Yeah, it's, so, it's, it's, you're over it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you chose the orange. Let's just yeah, the, you know, it used to be for that color, predominant. the predominant color was red. Yeah. But it's too dark. And you see that too often. Well, and green and red are the exact opposites on their color wheels, so, so you they're have to be careful. It doesn't nice, look like Christmas. Does want to look like Christmas, and it and it, but I mean they do, they they do have a nice stark contrast. Yeah. But going with that orange, you're still coming in the red family, but you're taking the yellow and the green and linking it with right. that yellow and right. with the red. That and I want to do orange squigs. Yeah, you, know, seems you see red squigs all over the place. So I thought orange would be a nice, bright alternative. So. Yeah, one or two, maybe three colors to tie it all together. And I'll, I'll tell you, when I first started painting my high elves, you know, the, the spears would be blue, but dragon princes, they used to be green and silver. And I thought they looked great as an individual unit. Then I put it on the on the tabletop, and I'm like, oh, it's all mismatched. So I had to strip the dragon princes and repaint them. And, really? Oh, yeah. So you did. I mean, even though it, this is a cool look, you want to go with that. You wanted to have something unified. Unifi- yeah. Exactly, that unified I was uh, all over scheme. the place in terms of color. Now you also how many how many layers do you think you paint? I mean, because I've looked at your, I mean, especially your like your savage orcs. Do you mean blending? Like I, layers of highlights? Yeah, or? because I know you go through and you've got your green, and then you've got your wash, and you've got your shades, and you've got. I mean, you go through and you highlight and you highlight a second time or a. Um, I mean, you seem to have a I, lot depends, of levels, a lot of layers. Model. I, I try to go between three and five. Okay. When I, if you ever listen to that, and I know you guys have, when uh, Mark Wa- Mark Wildman was on that Bad Dice podcast talking about his Beastmen initially, sure, the right. original, yeah. yeah, the original, I think or the original with Mark yes. Wildman, yes, yeah, it's when he was just a guest, great yeah. episode by the way. He was talking about uh, highlighting, in every case, five layers of highlights mm-hmm. all the time, no matter mm-hmm. what, by default. And his army, if you've seen it, I think it's an unseen lurker in an yeah. old issue. It's, yeah, it it's is. a great looking army. Yeah. And I really took that to heart. Like, gosh, if he can do five layers of highlights on everything, then I need to up my layers of highlights. Because it's, you know, it adds a lot of depth to the model and layers of sure. complexity. So in fact I've asked you, that's one of the things when we have a paint night, I want you to start showing me with that with, with the highlighting because mm. I mean I could do layers and I can do but I was just like you Honestly, especially your like I said, your savage orcs with the bone, with all the, the just the, the the different colors and the different the tones and the horns and the well, bone. You know, it's mine's not a seamless a transition from one color to the next. Like Johnny Hastings is really good at that. It's it's but Hastings also see. spends what four or five hours per model. At, you know, it sounds well, yeah, like it's time well spent. Yeah. It shows. Well, it's on the gorgeous. Model. Yeah, because mine you can see like the bleached bone transitioning to this, transitioning to that, to eventually to white. Whereas his is a smooth gradation. I would, I would try and emulate what Hastings is doing. I just can't commit the time. I can't do it. I can't. Well, yeah, I, I mean, you have to take I don't it want to. If yeah. I knew I could do it, I, I would, I would be willing to. But also, I, I think that's one of the reasons why I, I look at, you know, when I, like I said, we, we joke around that I paint like a machine. I'm kind of a lazy painter. I'm, I, I'm from the Bob Ross school of painting. I'm a lazy painter. I want to dig the easy way out. Is that the guy with the afro that yes. would paint clouds? I have <laughs> several seasons of his show on DVD. He's a happy Bob little Ross. cloud yeah, right the happy here. happy cloud yeah. guy, yeah. <laughs> 
But uh, he says it all the time. I'm a lazy painter. If I can find a technique that works quick, that's why I used to, when I learned how to dry brush, I dry brushed the crap out of my my dwarf because sure. it worked. It looked pretty good. It seemed to work. I liked it. Um, I learned, like I said, dipping. Dipping is sort of like doing, you know, it's like a reverse dry brush. It's doing the, the, the shading instead of the highlighting. It adds a nice muddy color. For the particular army I'm doing, for like, I wouldn't dip my dwarfs. I don't think it would work very well. Mm-hmm. For VC, for dirty, nasty, goblin. Or, or, uh, Grungy. Yeah, the, the ghouls and the zombies and the skeletons. Man, it saves time. I'm still putting three or four colors before I dip and then highlighting with three or four colors after. I don't know that I'm saving any time, but it works. And it just seems to it, – it, it works well for me. It save, it seems, I feel like I'm saving a step. You can't be too heavy-handed with the dip. And for anyone who doesn't know what I'm talking about, it's, a, it's basically polyurethane varnish. It's a varnish and stain all in one. And – I've seen people where they put it in a, they take a pair of pliers and they hold the base and they actually dip it into the varnish and then flick it and flick all the extra excess varnish mm-hmm. off. Uh, I, you know, I've seen a, someone put a, uh, a, the, the dipped miniature on a, the end of a drill and put it in a box and then just turn the drill on and it just whips it around. And uh-huh. It's still, I find that if you do that, it gets a little streaky and plus it makes a mess. I just. Well, you got to put it inside like a shoe box or something. I go to, but still, it's, <laughs> yeah. I go to, uh, I go to Hobby Lobby and I wait for their, you know, I get their 40% off coupons. I buy a thick, big, wide, fat brush and I know I'm going to use it to paint this and it's going to be, it's going to be dead when I'm done with it. Hmm. Get that brush, paint on that varnish just like you'd paint on a wash. And uh, it, for for this particular army, it works beautiful. That's why you see me, though, cranking through those because I know I can't use it. Like my Blood Knights, I am never going to dip them. I am going to have to paint them and take time. Um, when you say, you know, every if you have techniques that work for you that make you a lazy painter, I, I think everyone is, is that way. If they're efficient I, techniques, I fine. think that's another situation where the end justifies the means. Right. If If people say that looks great, don't tell them how lazy you were about it. <laughs> yeah, it's the end, the final product that matters. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, I slaved over this. <laughs> but it's like I said. I mean, for my for my rank and file, and for this VC army, your core has tons. I mean, it's like lots of rank and file, and you well, 180 zombies. That's maddening. You might as well find a way to. Exactly. I'm not going to worry that each one of them is painted with five levels of, of high. Maybe someday I'm going to, you know, if I got this, if, if I if I ever get to the point where I could think I could win painting contests, first of all, I ain't going to have no 180 zombies in that list on that army because I don't want to do it. But, yes, I'll go back and do all those shades of highlights. But sure. for, the, for the most part, I, I, I think it's really funny because we hear all these other podcasts, all these players who won't even play garage games with unpainted armies it's like oh i gotta get this painted before i could bring it to the table and i i started playing this game christopher's one who ta- nanigans yeah christopher's <laughs> the one who taught me how to play this game and as you've all heard christopher doesn't want to paint his you know basically did you buy it did you build it let's play the damn game and so we've yeah, always I mean, been a great for me the game has been the number one reason to play we've I, been I like the of, miniatures that's why i bought mm-hmm. these miniatures as opposed to someone else's sure and i want to play this game that's a, that's a high standard to not play any casual games or practice games even. Oh, no, God, no, I'm going to play casual games. Yeah. But Proxies, we've, we've whatever. We've been great yeah, plastic yeah. players for a really long time. It's odd for me to want even. I've, I've gotten to the point now where I want fully painted armies. I want fully is, painted armies it, even in casual games because there's no man, they're awesome. It makes a difference. It does. When you play a game with two painted armies, it feels different. I mean, that's that transcends just a, a 
a game of chess into something else. I mean, you. But I just feel you like can't help but lose yourself in the imagination yeah. of the game. You know, it's fun. Yeah, it looks it's, more epic. Yeah, really. it really does. But so I mean, I know I've even been sort of teased. Uh, I, I remember when they were doing the the replace Chris contest. They had someone had written into. Uh, it was to point hammered, and they were saying how they could replace him with bear. It's okay. He could play as ogres because Whitech and those guys play with gray plastic armies <laughs> all the time. And I'm like, I, 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 are we the oddballs here on this one? Because I'm, I'm more. I concerned. think in many ways, yeah, we are. <laughs> <laughs> because honestly, I mean, yes, I have ten armies, and you even joked around. Let's talk about it when they're all painted armies. Uh, yeah, Whitech. I won't be impressed until they're all painted. But I've got. Well, it's two. easy to buy something. It's hard to. I built to it. Build it. I, I bought it. And honestly, I, I will say I love to build models. I love to just cut the plastic, you know, do it, put it all together, glue it together, come out done with this neat, cool toy that's all mm-hmm. built. I enjoy painting. I love building. That's one of the things that gets one of the reasons I have ten armies because I see a new cool model and I want to build it. I, mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not worried about can I get this painted and get it on a table. Um, but so I guess that's where. I, but yeah, I mean, I like to. I mean, this Mortis engine, damn, I've spent 14 hours I must have spent. Which shows. It. It's a good centerpiece. It, and it really, really looks good. nice. And I'm actually quite proud of what I've learned, uh, the techniques I've learned from just reading the master class and painting it like they showed me and mm-hmm. the different things I can do. Um, that's why I'm kind of looking forward to the new book on how to paint your miniatures because I'm hoping they're going to have some of that stuff in there. Now, I have seen you do a little bit of painting, and you, you scoop your paint out of the paint pot onto a palette. Yeah, I use right. the back. I use the the I use the back end of the the Maybe. brush. I use the you know the handle, the stem. I dip it yeah. in there. I roll it around. I pull it out, and I just put it onto the palette. And then, do you apply some water to your? I to yes. paint on the yeah. palette. Okay, I always add some water. I do the same. I use old used CDs, things that. Oh I, yeah. So I think uh, Ben Cohn does that. Does he? No. Oh, yeah, he I talked about that the other day. I have the reason uh, simply because it doesn't absorb. It it, right. it dries slower. So no uh, when I'm at Hobby Lobby and they're selling pallets for ninety nine cents, I pick a couple of those up. I actually went out and I bought like one dollar ceramic tiles, like they used to have at the mm. GW, like they have them on the GW. And I I have a couple of those sitting dollar one dollar. Yep. I just was at Home Depot. There were the clearance ceramic tiles. I bought them. Use them. They would just get heavy and they started scraping up my table. So I was like, screw sure. that, and, you know. But basically, okay. One yeah. one of the, the kind of all-star ingredients that I use when it comes to painting is uh, drying retarder. <laughs> well, that's what it's called. It's on I know. Every time you say it, though, I, I do that. It's, it's so it. helpful, though. Where do you get... I haven't even seen that. Like, I know you have it. I've never even seen it at it's, the hobby shop. The one I have is a Reaper Miniatures product. Um, UGG doesn't carry it. They had a special order it for me, but that far and away, I use that all the time. So it's it's not water, but it will keep it from drying out for... Correct. For how long? Uh, it depends on what you put in. Okay. It depends on the ratio. That's interesting, and it doesn't affect the color, the pigment. Uh, it, it it affects it in the way that water would. So you can use that to like, the way I paint often, especially for flesh, is I go on in very thin, watered down layers, mm. and I could use this retardant, and it should work the same way. It should, yeah. Actually, I do a mix of some water and some of the retarder okay. into the paint. Now, if you water can't, it down a little if, bit. You, if you can, <laughs> we call it handicapper. If you can't, if you stop that. <laughs> now, I will say this: um, the same guy who taught me about the eyeballs at Games Day, not the one we went to, but the one I went to with Harrison before it. Um, he had this technique to keep his paints wet, which I thought was interesting. So, if you can't find paint retarder, you can stop at the local jewels. Over by the Asco, over by Jules. there. Uh, Supermarket. Yes. You can, uh, parchment 
baking parchment paper. Mm-hmm. He he buys the parchment paper for baking. He bought a square regular sponge, not the scrubby sponge, but a regular sponge. He had a plastic, uh, like a little Tupperware uh, plate, or like, like you know, like you know, like a, a food container, dish. sure, uh, sort of a shallow one. He put about a quarter of an inch of water on the bottom, and he he soaked the sponge, and then he wrung it out, so it was damp. Left it sitting in the water, the parchment, stay damp, semi porous, so it's gonna puts the parchment paper on top of the sponge, and he uses that as his palette. It's a wet palette. So yeah, it keeps it. Yeah. So he doesn't it, once he mixes the color the way he wants it. He's like, I'm like, how long? He goes, I could put the color on here, and it will stay as long as there's water in the bottom of this bowl. It will stay moist. It will not dry out. He goes, I've been painting here for three hours, and I have not had one paint dry out on me. I hear you can also you can then refrigerate that, and it will keep for days on end. Yes, when I was taking paint classes at the, the my teacher didn't let us have regular palettes. She had us buy the what they call paper palettes, which is similar to that paper. And when you were done, if you didn't finish painting that week, she would have you take a second piece of the paper, put it over the first piece, take it home and put it in your refrigerator, and you could come back and it would it would have it will still be fine. The, the downside to that is I hear that if you're not careful, if you don't clean it, some fungus could develop on that wet palette in your refrigerator over time. Oh, well, I mean... Because all the moisture and everything. So. Yeah, but, I mean, I'm also a person... I, I will clean up at the end of the sure. day. I mean, if it's going to last to the next day, I'm going to get that job done. You're good. Yeah, I'm going to wash and clean the sponge and right. throw away the parchment and get fresh parchment. Have you actually done a wet palette? Have you actually um, created one? I, I did make one. I had the sponge. I was working with it. It did work pretty nice. Um, but the stuff I've been painting, being rank and file, when I was working on stuff that, like, the, the characters, it was mm-hmm. nice to have it there. Um, I haven't worked on anything where I needed the paint to set that long, that I so I haven't used been using it. You know, I can see that being very useful if you're doing fine gradations. Yes. And you have, like, ten different shades of a you color. You don't want to have to recreate. You know, right. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. But, if, if, like I said, if I'm just plowing through rank and file with colors and dip, then I haven't needed it. Mm-hmm. I did try it the one time because I bought the parchment paper. I'm like, I'm going to mm-hmm. try it. it. Yeah, it worked. It, kept, it keeps your it keeps your paint uh, from drying out. So, I mean, okay. if, that's, if that's a technique that helps anybody, that's pretty different, cool. Different techniques. So let me ask you something. You recently got some of those Windsor Newton Series 7 brushes. Have you had a chance to use them? No. What are you waiting for? I'm waiting for using a model that, that is worthy of a Windsor Newton Series 7 brush. <laughs> I'm painting zombies, loincloths. That's I'm just the time to practice. You know, I got these really nice brushes. When I start painting the characters or when I start painting a, a nicer model, I want to start using them. When, if I'm just if I'm just brushing sure, it. Sure, I hear they're, they're you know zombies. Saying? Yeah, I hear you. But it's a good time to practice. I'll practice. I suppose. I just <laughs> I don't want to ruin them. I mean, well, if you I, take good I care do. of them, I want to ruin them. Well, here's a good question, and let me ask you this: Is everyone says you what do you call the metal part at the end of the bristles, the where they actually hold all the bristles together? That, I don't know, but it's the part that you know you get past the bristles, and there's that metal right. part that's holding it to the wooden the handle. Clamp, right? Probably, yeah, who knows? Um, everyone, you know, you're not supposed to get paint in there because it dries and it ruins the bristles. Right. How do you keep it? Because I, I I don't obviously don't dip it so far into my paint that I'm getting paint on that metal part. Mm-hmm. But you're loading up your brush with paint. You're using your brush. You're washing it out. How do you make sure to keep all that clean? And I think cleaning your brush is important. If you have a nice brush, you don't want to ruin it. Well, well they make brush cleaner too. If if it comes right. to that, yeah. And I'm going to have to buy some because I know you don't have to use it 
Step one is to try and control how much paint is on your brush. Uh, mm-hmm. You want to dip it about halfway up the bristles and about no more than that. Uh, if it comes to that, if you get it all the way up there by accident, clean out your brush in the water. Just, you know. Yeah, I just clean it out and start over, start from scratch, really. Yeah, yeah just with you really got to fresh. Yeah. I'm just afraid to even clean it. You don't want to You don't want to just start, you know. You don't want to manhandle the bristles? Exactly. There are times when it's so filthy that I will kind of push the bristles against the side of the glass uh-huh. and just sort of lightly spin it a little bit, lightly, and you can see that, like, paint is coming out of it. So you're kind of kind of giving it a little bit of a side push. Obviously, you're not just going to jam those bristles straight yeah. down to the bottom never of the Never straight top. down yeah. like that, but at least along the side of the glass, mm-hmm. just a little bit at an angle and then twist it a little bit, and mm-hmm. you can see that the paints are okay. coming out. It yeah. depends how much pigment you're putting into your brush. If you're putting a lot in, you know, it's going to soak up into that metal shaft. Yeah, that's that's what I yeah. Like I said, I mean, I plan on I got I got my brand new airbrush, which I haven't used either because mm-hmm. I want to. I I want to get to models that I really want to focus on. And, yeah, yeah. The focus something I'm going to spend time on. Attention. Yeah, I mean, I almost finished the mortise engine before I got those. I would use it on the mortise engine. Sure. Um, but when I get to my next really the model I want to spend a lot of time on, I'm probably going to try to use them for my Terrorgeist because I want to have that be a nice piece that I want to use to the nice brushes or the airbrush yeah, the nice brushes yeah okay. there's a there's a technique uh, when you start using those really nice brushes that I sometimes use and it's part of the reason it takes me nine years to do anything but how often do you guys um, water down your paints and paint on in very thin layers building up slowly do you ever try that I yeah I have done that okay uh, sometimes going as light as a watered down wash yes and then, there, and then you're building from there to mm-hmm. look for a particular effect. Yeah. Great for shading. Great for extremely, um, vi- well, not vague, but uh, residual, gradual mm-hmm. uh, changes in, in color tone. Smooth transition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It makes it very smooth. It's especially nice, in my particular opinion, for flesh. Mm. Um, I had some larger old models from a different design, from a different line with forearms and lots of heavy bound muscle guy mm-hmm. and uh it was really nice for the muscle tone but uh have you, have you tried that at all dave i will admit that i have not um I've, I've heard you talk about it i do thin down my paints i do go i try to go with a couple of layers but going that ultra i've heard people talk where they go ultra thin and they have 12 or 13 or 14 coats yeah, yeah. before they get the color That's, i've never gone to me compared a little bit to like watercolors yeah it's right. almost at that level yeah, no, I ha- I have not. I've I've, I'd like to actually see it done before even trying it because I'm not certain what I'd, I, I I can't really visualize it in my head how thin it would be that it would be that subtle Pretty of a thin. Yeah, how thin, thin enough where you can see through it and you can see the primer underneath it, and yeah. then you apply another one and it starts to become a bit more opaque. Right, as you add layers. Mm-hmm. You know. What yeah. it allows you do allows you to do is it allows you to see the direction that the color is developing. Make changes if necessary, and add it to a more isolated spot if you want to fade it from one color to another. Okay. But uh, it's just a technique I've I've been enjoying when I do paint. It's very slow, and it's great for an individual model. Great for centerpieces. Heroes and mm-hmm. your general. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see, a lot of your paint techniques are really excellent for characters, it, I would That's think. where I enjoy it the most. Yeah. I do. I mean, the problem is I'm applying those techniques to rank and file, too, and it's a killer. And, and that's and that one of the reasons I got to start to doing the dip is because if you're going to dip, you have to just say, okay, I'm putting base colors on, and the dip is going to do the, the sort of like mm-hmm. the, the same thing that a wash will do. You know, sure. get into those. Uh, because 
that's I, I found myself sitting there with rank and file models painting each one. You know, I paint a unit of forty and I keep going back and doing another it's, shade. It's and a good mass production tool. Yeah, and it's like I I want to get these done. I want to get them out on the table. I'm going to do the nicer stuff nicer, but I, I want to get these rank and file models out. Sure, where I can you know where they're good enough where people look at them and say hey they look nice. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I've gone to tournaments and seen models that are amazing. I've seen models that are pretty good, and I've seen ones that I was like, "Wow, I can I can actually paint better than that." Which you know, I'm not. I'm still learning with this. Um, I don't want it to look sloppy. I don't like when I can see my own brush strokes. Like you know, you know, you got to thin your paint down where you can see the brush strokes mm-hmm. in the. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm working on that. Um, you know what helps me against that is uh, playing with water mm-hmm. uh, to get it very thin in a way, and I almost it's almost like a controlled pooling, if that makes any sense. Like you're moving water around in a way where, you know, you know when it's dry, the model surface is dry, and you're moving a small bead of water around, uh-huh. and you're sort of redefining the borders of where the water is allowed to touch, and it sort right. of controls itself a little bit. It's hard to explain, but it's almost like by moving this this pool of water along, like let's say it's a sword. Okay. You know, you can move it along the side of the sword and you keep it just within the border so it doesn't spill over and actually start spilling. It completely destroys all brush strokes. It mm-hmm. makes it completely smooth because when it dries, it dries with no brush strokes makes whatsoever. It's more organic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Not necessarily easy, but it's not hard either once you know how to do it at least once. Exactly. Like I said, that's what Harrison's been really struggling with. Is, and I'll point out to him, like, you can see your brush strokes thin your paint down a little bit. Okay. I think that technique back. you're describing is all is almost the basis for wet blending. Yes. So you you, you and David, you're looking at me like, huh? What's this? I'm I I know about wet blending. I actually accidentally did it with my horses for my wood elves. You oh, know, okay. it's funny, but all techniques, the first time, it's almost accidental. Like I didn't know what using inks and washes were until one time I spilled black all over one of my titans, and I thought I'd ruined <laughs> it. And instead, I threw it in the water in disgust because I thought it was done pulled it out the base coat was uh bone mm-hmm. and i pulled out all this black washed away and it became marvelous you know and it was fantastic and that's how i learned and that's boys and girls how i learned how to use washes there you go so accidents uh produ- produce results <laughs> heather and i took a weekend off she went to one of her twilight conventions <laughs> and i drove her to it it was like i think it was in it, might, it was in indiana i think it might have been we might have actually driven all the way to Minnesota for one of these damn things. You know your heart's in it when you don't even know where you're going. <laughs> I don't remember. I've gone to a couple of them with her. And, I mean, like I said, I, w- I actually worked at one of them because I well, you're married to her. You but, might as well go. Yeah. But so it was like we had a weekend off. She went down, and so I brought a case of models. And I had these. Oh, I thought you were going to say a case of beer. No. <laughs> and I had the. <laughs> I just drank. And I had the Wood Elf. Uh, <laughs> I had the Wood Elf. Uh, the Cavalry. And Which one? The uh, Wild Riders? Not the Wild Riders, the other ones. Glade Riders? Glade Riders. And the light in the hotel room was not that good. And my father-in-law actually gave me one of those little lights that you strap onto your forehead. Oh, nice. And so I'm sitting there with the light from this, and it's shining on it, and the light is still bad. And I'm sitting there, and I'm just painting, and I've got two different colored paint on two different brushes. And it's like, so I'm painting some dark here and some light here, and I'm kind of going back. And I couldn't, I'm like, the light wasn't good enough where I could tell if it was dark enough or light enough so i just kept painting and i had it thin and i just kept painting and i just kept painting and then when this turns out okay but when i finally took it out where it was light enough there was like no transition marks no you know like when you said when you could paint you said i'm like 
holy crap. And I showed it to Chris. And Chris was like, yeah, you sort of did like wet blending. And I'm like, I don't even know how. I don't. I couldn't do it again. I don't know how I did it. Well, you'd have to go back to that convention. Great. Have the headlights. <laughs> with it, yeah. <laughs> it was Same hotel fun. room. They're over there. You can look at them on the break. they got to be on the shelf with all the other calf models that are sitting up there. And it's like, wow, these horses actually look really – it's like – you know the deep parts are dark. It actually looked like I had some 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 directed light hitting them. And I remember you looked at me like, "Wow, Dave, this was really good. You did a really great job." I don't know how yeah. I did that. I have plenty of models like that. Don't don't feel bad. <laughs> and then a miracle occurred. And look at this guy. Um, one of the one of the one of the things that got me points last year at Adepticon was all of my. Longbeard Rangers were in a deep royal blue with all the silver on their weapons and the and the white beards. Um, so they had a lot of blue, and they had the lighter blue for the capes, but they had the dark blue uh, clothes, and then all this silver painted mithril silver armor, and they looked really clean. And I said, you know what? I bet you this metal would reflect some of the blue. And so on a complete whim, I said, crossed my fingers, <laughs> praying to God, got some blue. Blue the blue wash, mm-hmm. and just slapped blue wash kind of haphazardly over all the metal and all the armor. And if you look at a single model, there's just weird swatches of blue wash where because I put it on the flat parts, so there were no recesses, so it just sort of had blue. When you put it in a unit of twenty five of them, there's all these blue guys holding their metal, their the metal from their axes and their swords, and it looks like. There's there's bits of blue in the metal. It's, it's reflecting. That's cool. It's catching the blue from. All, and people are like, wow, that's so cool. I'm like, I just threw blue eyes across <laughs> my fingers, and you know, you feel stupid telling someone, you know. Well, that's how you learn. But yeah, yeah cool. I mean, some of my some of my coolest models were totally random. Just I'm I know a little bit about painting from when I was in school mm. for art. Let's see if this works on a model. Dave, that, that Titan I was talking about is to this day one of the best looking Titans I've ever painted. <laughs> and I'll never and I've I've even gone as far as to roll one over into paint just like the the accident. It's tr- trying to recreate the accident. And the other ones look great. They're fine, but <laughs> that one that, that one looks spectacular and <laughs> But yeah, I think there's something to that because like you, David, I also come from an art background. Uh huh. And uh, I think one of the reasons that I always had gravitated towards watercolor paint as a medium is because it takes so much of that control out of your hands. The oh, water yeah. is the water is going to go. That's on the an paper interesting direction. I, I wouldn't have. I would expect an artist. I, I'm not. I would not consider myself an artist. I would have. My my direction was cooking. So I mean, but mm. it seems like as an artist, you want to control as much as you can. But no, that's not what you're saying at all. You, I, I don't think in the case of watercolor, because uh, you can't control necessarily how the water is falling on the paper. Okay. Which then dictates where the paint is going to go. It's it's that organic process. That's very interesting to me. Yeah. yeah. In fact, um, I would say that I with uh, what I've learned is when I'm painting these ethereals, the ethereal paint on this, the ethereals on my mortise engine and this guy on the black coach who I'm trying to do that ethereal with, this was my first attempt was the wraith on the black coach. And you look at him and you compare it to this. And this seems really sort of ham-fisted and heavy-handed. The transitions are really harsh. Mm. I started off with a darker green and went to lighter greens and then highlighted at the top with the white. And then when I was doing it with the mortise engine, it was white primer. And then I just did a green wash. And when it dried, I did a second green wash. And then I did a third green wash. And like you said, with with the really thin paints, the outer edges stayed pretty close to white. There's some deep greens in the recesses. 
And then I did take I did take some white. I took white, and what I did was instead of thinning the white with water, I thinned it with green wash. <laughs> yep. So it took just a little Makes bit, sense. and then I dry brushed. I, I went back to the dry brush, the super thinning, high parts. Dry brushed the super high parts with it, and boom! It yeah, that's that's one of the joys of art, though, versus science is that. One does not question why it works when it does. Right. <laughs> One is just grateful that it, it works. I know, with it. I know that my hex wraiths are going to be done because they're ethereal, the same ethereal technique. I'm going to go back with the black coach and do it. Uh, in fact, the hex wraiths, I'm going to do the whole thing ethereal and then like I did with the armor where I took the armor and uh, used a bit of the metallic in the white and mm. thinned it down and then went over that again with the green wash. I'm going to do that for their cloaks and everything to see if I can't sort of get this... Because I really like how it looks. Uh, it's working for me. Uh, I'm getting it on the spirit host now. My spirit host, actually, I've got them started with the first layers of that. Mm-hmm. And as I'm doing it, I'm just, you know, I remember when they when they first debuted the, the washes were and the big debut. And they're like, here, come on, look. And then they're just, throw any color on and see how it works. And you're just slapping colors on at the GW and it looked really silly. But it's like you said, almost with the watercolors, just taking and putting on your base color and then just painting it in washes. Uh, that's what I've been doing with some of the stuff. And it kind of comes out pretty neat, actually. If memory serves, um, Bob from Ohio Hammer, yeah. uh, his Empire Army at Bits last year, I think, was painted in that technique. It was a lot of, I think, white undercoated troops with successive washes applied to it. And it looked pretty cool. Because you get that one color. Now, here's the thing. I, w- I remember someone explaining how inks... Or glazes are different from washes because a wash is really thin down paint, very watery. So all the pigment goes, well, the water goes to the recesses, mm-hmm. and obviously the, what pigment is in there goes in the recesses. So when it dries, the color's in the recesses and not on the outside. Mm-hmm. Whereas an ink or a glaze, as it was explained to me, is you're going to wash that on, and yes, some will go in the recesses, but it will also stay and add a, a stain. A stain or a shint, a, yeah. a, a, a stain or a tint, not a shint, that's not a word. <laughs> Of that color on, and basically that's what I've been doing with the yeah. washes is a, almost using them like a glaze or an ink to get a green tint into the model while still using it. So I've basically been using really heavy hand, using the washes really thick, really heavily to to get a sort of a, a, a wash. I could see painting using that technique. It would be very light colors if right. you want, you know. But then you, you hit the uh, really dark, bold colors for dramatic effect as needed and select areas and right. select models. Yeah, so, I mean, I've, once again, lazy painter. I'm just going to slap a lot of washes on. <laughs> but Ends justify um, the means. Yeah. Hey, you know what? You wanna, let's take a quick break, and um, we'll come back, and we'll talk a little more and kind of wrap this up. If a game is only as good as the person who plays it, then the best games can be found at Unique Gifts and Games. Collectible and classic card games, board games, RPGs, tabletop miniatures, hobby tools, and more all found within. And so is an amazing community of fellow gamers, as well as dedicated gaming tables, terrain, and a library of open games to try. It's also your source for Unseen Lurker, the independent tabletop wargaming magazine. Stop by for Warhammer Fantasy Mondays, 40K Tuesdays, and War Machine Wednesdays. Demos and tournaments are alive and well at UGG. Check their website at uniqueugg.com for their calendar of events or call 847-548-8270. Don't forget about the rewards program, their convenient location in downtown Grays Lake, Illinois, and their friendly staff. Unique gifts and games. Great gamers mean great gaming. We're back. 
We are back. We're back. And I'm Skip Stevenson. Stay a while and listen. It's outrageous. Stay on topic. <laughs> Somebody forgot to we're turn the microphone on. Well, if we're doing all the buzzwords. So I've kind of talked like the most in this because I had some notes, and I apologize for. I guess that's your classic line now, isn't it? Stay on topic. <laughs> isn't it on your? Isn't it? On the it's forums? on my, uh, my it's signature. A, it's signature. It's the guy. It's the pilot who said. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so, um, and you know, I think we, this is something we could totally revisit because we just totally. sort of we just sort of hit the basics on this. I'd really like to talk more about a lot of your different techniques. What you what you do with your different layers and stuff. Mm. Actually, I don't even care if we do it on the show or not. I should just come over for a paint night one night so I can learn some of the techniques because even that night you were sitting here helping me with the with the, with the the elves for the Kings of War. Oh, right, yeah. Uh, I was just like, wow, do you, <laughs> that's, that's pretty quick. And just, you well, yeah, a lot of it you'll up. pick up by watching people yeah. or at least at the very least talking about it. Yeah, well, we'll have a paint night. We'll make some spam. It'll be awesome. Kimchi too, though. And some rice. Mm. Yeah. Oh, that's a good Korean meal right there. Yeah, I still though I still think that we should get gather the troops and go to like a good Korean joint. I'm down for that. Yeah, I'd like yeah. to. So, um, all right. So we've been talking a bunch about the painting. Uh, you know, let's let's try to wrap this up and just talk about a little bit about uh, basing your models and maybe making some movement trays. And mm-hmm. we'll just sort of kind of off off to that and then wrap it up for the for the night. Well, I know you've been uh, making your movement trays and now. The system, why don't you describe for the listeners what your system is for your movement trays? Okay, well, I mean, most of what I use is, like I said, I buy the $10 GW thing with the 20 sure. millimeter squares and the 25 on the other side. And honestly, those have served me beautifully. Black primer them and then put on some uh, flock and some paint on the edges, and it's good. Um, I wanted to do magnetic trays. Uh, and a lot of people are do the magnet to magnet stuff, like a, like a layer of like mm-hmm. the magnetic sheet on their plastic tray, and then they put. Excuse me. They get make sure that you know they'll fl- take the little rare earth magnets, make sure that it's the right the right pole, mm-hmm. so it sticks. Um, I didn't want to do that. It got expensive getting all that mm. magnetic sheet and stuff. It was getting expensive, so I talked to my father in law, who is as you people who listen to the show know, he is like Joey Handyman. And uh, I told him I wanted to make magnetic bases. And, you know, what could I use to make metal bases? You know, what what should I buy? And he said, well, don't buy anything. He goes, I, he, he worked in, uh, he worked, uh, he hospital. was maintenance, hospital maintenance. And they would oftentimes, if they had to work on any ducts or anything like that, they'd have, you know, sheet metal that they would cut and put in for places. And whenever they had the scraps, they would throw them away. And he's like, I'll just pile up the scraps and bring them. And he brought, I've got. Up, I mean, you can see over there in the corner, as I'm pointing in the corner, all that sheet metal that he just duct taped together. So um, I took my models, and I've started with the Mantic Ghouls because they have solid bases. And uh, So the reason you moved to a metal tray is to magnetize. Yeah. Is that right? Okay. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I was quite content with the GW movement trays. I mean, they work just fine. Um, you know, you can magnetize those. The GW movement trays? How? Well, funny you ask. The system that I use, you can take a look at these. They're okay. metal bases that are cut to size. And oh. they have a whole range of you know, 20 millimeter all the way up to whatever. Okay. Oh, uh, you just lay these on the... Yeah, so I do the opposite of what you do. I glue the metal plate to the bottom of the square. And then I apply the... Um, 
magnetic sheet. It's almost like a refrigerator magnet uh-huh. material. I put uh. this on the bottom of my movement tray. So Do you glue that to the tray? This is uh, it has an adhesive face. Hmm. So oh, you so you have a big, back. just a basically almost yeah. like a refrigerator magnet sheet that I just stick on the. Oh, and George bases. I know that brand. Yeah, and okay. you put that. Plus, that's where I got. Yeah, these. exactly. Okay, and so you put that onto your movement tray, right. the magnet on the movement tray. Yep, and then you buy I metal. Glue the metal plates. Like onto these are the forty square millimeter base. square. Right. And you oh so you glue that mm-hmm. forty mil oh for trolls for trolls okay that's what yeah that's what I'm currently how many of these doing. come in a, there's forty of them right so they for come in bucks. all sizes okay. that you could possibly need so I do the opposite of what you do you have the metal on the bottom I have the metal as the, tr- the tray is metal and you have the mag- the magnetic piece inside the miniature yes yeah. so you just in your case you glue those to the bottom of the miniature right. you glue the adhesive or you adhere just, just the adhere adhesive it, yeah. magnet to the wood and to it's the very to the tray. thin so. Mm-hmm. Okay. That would actually probably be, well, it might be easier. I don't well, know if it's yours is cheap. Metal. Yours is free. Yeah. Yeah. Cheap is free. Yeah. Well, and uh, online I found, and I don't know the name of the exact seller, but um, I bought 400 rare earth magnets. They're, an eight, they're, the, they're, wow. the, they're the discs. Uh, they're an eighth of an inch across, and they're three, uh, yeah, three thirty seconds deep. So it's a little more than a sixteenth, not quite an eighth. Um, and uh, well, with the mantic bases, they're solid. Mm. So I just I, you have to bore out a little hole. I just yeah, I, I bought a one eighth inch uh, drill bit, which looks really stupid. But are you, do you use like a pin vise or something to? Yeah. Okay, not an actual drill because you don't have. Yeah, to I use the yeah, pin drill with this giant yeah. thing. It looks ridiculous, but I actually uh, measured the the depth and took a silver sharpie and painted onto the black. So you know how drill bit go. Okay. Once I once I don't see the black on the drill bit, I know I drilled far enough. Mm. I add my magnet. Um, now, what I did was after I magnetized all the all the models, I ranked them up on the sheet metal, and uh, I knew I needed an extra quarter of an inch. For the, uh, I ordered from Plastruct. Plastruct, uh, I can get uh, it's like fifty inches, like five ten inch rods for like two something. It's a quarter circle, uh, and it's a quarter of an inch thick, so it's the exact same height as the bases. So it's got a nice curved outside, mm-hmm. and then it comes up uh, there. There's no gap or anything. Nope. And then I did a half uh, half circle. Uh, on the bottom. The nice thing about this, and one of the reasons I wanted to do this is because on all my bases, like the bases you have are squared off on the bottom, mm-hmm. the GW1s are squared off on the bottom, you're pushing it along that piece of terrain. If it's bumpy, if you hit a snag, how many times have you been sliding it forward and all of a sudden it snags and you flip your tray or the tray gets snagged or something moves or something pulls with the half circle bottom on the plastic, everything's rounded. So it's almost like tank treads if you're moving it across. Mm. Since it's got a curved Less resistance. Base, yeah, it's just yeah. going to roll up and over everything. Um, it's a little more work. Uh, but once I did that, I just measured the extra quarter of an inch. You know, drew around. I actually just drew around the models. I took a Sharpie and sure. went right around the edges, added a quarter inch to that, took tin snips and cut out this piece of sheet metal, and then I glued the uh, tops and bottoms. I went and just stuck a little green stuff along the edges to... I didn't have a. I don't have Seal a. The, the yeah. Gap. Well, I didn't have a sander to go and make. Sh- I mean, the edges weren't really bad on the metal, but I don't want them sticking out. Mm-hmm. Um, as my father-in-law told me, he's like, "Just bring them over. I'll just run them over the sander. They'll be smooth. You can just drill it right up to the edge that way." But 
Uh, I like them. I mean, they work. The one thing that I have found, which is a little frustrating, is GW has the hollowed-out bottoms of their bases. Um, what I have found is the depth, the three thirty seconds magnet, which is just short of a quarter of an inch, you know, a quarter of an inch would be four thirty seconds, mm-hmm. or I mean, eighth, an eighth of an inch. Right. Uh, eighth of an inch sticks out past the bottom. So if you just glue it to the inside of the base because you know it's slightly hollowed out, right? Eighth of an inch is going to stick out of the bottom, so that's no good. Three thirty seconds doesn't quite come flush to the bottom. They don't make a 764 magnet, so I I put them on there, and for the plastics, they're fine. It's darn close enough, Um, and actually, if you look on the bottom, if they've got any of the raised, like the numbers or the little dots or anything like that on the bottom of the the model, if you put the magnet on that, it's pretty close to flush. Uh, it's it's not a perfect system though, especially like cavalry bases. You got to play with to make it sure. to find a place to oh, make I it see. fit. Um, yeah, like if you look on the bottom of a GW base, any of where the little circles are, any of the little right. raised parts. If you put the magnet right on the raised part, it's usually pretty close. Um, the suggestion I got from my father in law was take five minute epoxy the two parter, pour it in the base upside down so it fills it up. Wait two minutes so it's about halfway dry. Stick your magnet in. Push the magnet down and then hold it upside down to a metal base. So, so we'll the, magnet, mm-hmm. the magnet will come right to the top. Mm-hmm. The epoxy dries around it. You pop it off. The magnet good is right there. That's a lot of work, too. Once again, uh, it depends. The plastic models that I have just glued it to the bottom of the base, I did it with my demons. The plastic models are lightweight enough where nothing seems to slip or fall. Mm-hmm. The metal ones, like the metal character models, yeah, I'm going to have to do the epoxy because they, okay. I put two magnets in, but they don't quite touch the metal. So it's not a not that secure. I'm, not that I'm going to flip the base upside down in the but middle you, of the you game. you want it to be as secure as possible. Exactly. Sure. Um, I actually was looking at this thinking I could just take those little metal bases and just glue them onto the GW bases that I cut and have that just put the metal there. It's, uh, uh, the opposite of what you do, because I already have all the little rare earth magnets in there. Mm-hmm. I might just run out and buy some of those little metal squares, glue them onto the, my pre-cut, all the, the plastic GW bases I already made, mm-hmm. and uh, I could do that too. Just glue the metal onto the movement oh, tray. Oh, onto the tray? Yeah, because yeah, yeah. I've already got the magnets in the in the models. Yeah, either way, whichever system works best for you, you're it'll most comfortable me, with. It'll save me time cutting bases, but... Well, it ultimately saves you time on the setup and cleanup, which is what you want. Yeah, so it's really nice. Gaming right away. Okay. Well, um, all right, let's move away from movement trays. I know Chris is sitting here picking his nose, looking <laughs> bored, like, really, movement trays? I did. I have them. <laughs> I, I use them. Exactly. They're, yeah. That's where I draw the line. The problem with me is uh, I just want to play the game. Movement trays are a nice tool. The idea of spending an hour or two hours or three hours painting, and a lot of people do it, that's suicide note for me right there. <laughs> See, well, I, I, like I said, I, I looked at the rules for when you go to a tournament. It's like, does your base, does did you flock and paint the movement tray to match your bases? And it's like, okay, I got to do this. I might as well do it in a way I like yeah, it. An extra I'm, pointer. I'm, I'm not saying it's not worth it. the work. It's not for this guy to do it. Mm. <laughs> it's a labor of love for sure. Yeah. It's not glamorous. No, but no, I just want to play. Yep. <laughs> uh, 
Um, so finally, the and people have asked about, because I was talking about doing water effects on those models, and I, like I said, I'm still hemming and hawing on it. But um, I am primarily, I know a lot of people like snow bases. Sure. And so I am a I am a nice, gritty, sand-based type person. I do, I just... I do a lot of sand bases with when my armies. The, the flocking sand and a little bit of grass because you can cover it up and it looks a little rocky. It might look like a little like muddy, but sand and some and some grass flock on my bases. Uh, and one of the things that I learned, which you taught me, Chris, was you take your little wood glue, you water it down, you paint the base, you dip it in the sand, you shake it off. Um, once it's completely dry, I will go over because the sand was coming off, uh, and you told me. It's a two-layer process. Yeah, take the glue and do another layer of glue over the sand when it's dry. And to seal it. Yeah, and then then I'll do that actually before I prime the models. Right. So then there's primer over the – so you've got glue, if you're sand, gonna, glue, primer. If you're going to devote to painting the, the mm-hmm. base, yeah, that just becomes part of the model at that point. Yeah, and, it, and I the ones that I've done that way, I've not had any bits of anything come falling off because – that, yeah, it really holds up well. Yeah. That's exactly what I'm using right now for the cast works. Just because the new ones, I want to look a little nicer than the old ones. So. Right. So yeah, but that's that's my tip to anybody who is anything about basing: glue, sand, glue, primer. It really locks that mm-hmm. stuff onto the base. There's no mess, no 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 fuss. Okay, I feel like we just scratched the surface, but uh, I'm tired. <laughs> We're all kind of tired. So. It's a school night, boys. I got to go back to work. Yep. Spring break's over. This sucks. I hate my job sometimes. Shut up. You've been off for a week. Yeah, boo. I know, and I get to go back. Oh, Pull your panties up. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what Chris has to worry about. He's idle and rich. Oh, that's what right. Are you, what are you talking about? Yeah. He, I, I you work for the man. All my clients house. are the man. Yeah. You sit there with your bowls of whipped cream. Yeah, I wish. Smoking your meerschaum pipe. I wish. I'm basically, you know, glorified slave. Hey, graphic designer, do this and make that edit. Okay. Yeah, I sit at home, play on your computer for a few hours a yeah, day. Yeah, right. I wish. the show. I know what you're doing. Yes. All right. So, um, yeah, I guess, well, I'd like to revisit this at some point and, you know, we'll, we'll see what what kind of feedback we get if people have other questions or stuff we can actually save that for a maybe a future painting show now do you have uh, pics of your stuff especially the uh, mortise engine on the forum uh no I need to get I need to get a I, I, last thing I put up on the forum was the 63 figures in in four days the, the, the stuff I did for Cranky you should get them on there I think people would like to see them uh, like to see it I've, in your progress I've, I've, I've taken some pictures with my phone and put them on Twitter so maybe I should just I'm, start I'm sure them. people would want to see your stuff they pe- keep asking about it well yeah. I will I will post them then that will be my next my next thing is once I get this cleaned up I'll put it all out here on the table and take pics and put it up cool so folks thanks for listening um We'll be back next episode. Uh, may or may not be doing a first look at the Empire, depending on how quickly we get the book and what we're going to do. in timing, that would likely be the next obvious choice. Yeah. So uh, thanks for listening. Uh, head on over to uh, garagehammer.net store. Hoodie. Buy a hoodie. iPhone. <laughs> Cover. Uh, go give us a nice review on iTunes. We've gotten a few lately. Thank you to those who are leaving us nice reviews. We really, honestly, do appreciate it. Or just drive to Gray's Lake, uh, Round Lake, or anything. Give us all hugs. That's okay. You don't want a hug? <laughs> <laughs>
don't want to. Hey, I love I, your show. Uh, I think Heather would be disturbed. People just started showing up at the house saying, hey. I'm not saying handies. I'm oh. saying hugs. <laughs> I'm just saying people just showing up at the house. Hey, I love your show. What the hell? We're up high five for Dave. You know. Okay, there you go. Come from the butt. There you go. Go with the come back. There you go. There you go. That's okay. <laughs> okay. Okay, so uh, we'll be back with episode 47 in a couple weeks. Chris, thanks for coming on the show. As My always, thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to Garage Hammer. We hope you've enjoyed the show, and if you have, we ask that you leave us a positive review on iTunes. If you'd like to get more Garage Hammer, you can find us on Facebook at Garage Hammer Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, both at Garage Hammer and at Topher Sinister. And, of course, we invite you to join our forums at garagehammer.net. If you'd like to email us, you can reach us at garagehammer at live.com. You can reach David at david at garagehammer.net. And you can reach Christopher at Topher at garagehammer.net. This issue has been getting the horde of models painting. Uh, this, <laughs> God Almighty! <sighs> this issue. Why can't I read? What's wrong with me? Just start from the beginning of the sentence, and I will make a nice edit. Because unlike other shows, when I say I'm going to make an edit, I make an edit. You never hear me say it because I make an edit. <laughs> Sorry, that's a total pet peeve when you hear the man. Don't worry, I'm just totally going to edit this. And I'm like, really? You're not? Because I'm listening to it. <laughs>